0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: As Lillard drains
0: the triple from the right with 336 to go, 112-87 Milwaukee. Not quite as dramatic as the dagger on Friday night, but again, if there was any doubt, it no longer remains. This is Dirt and Sprague. They switch back. Lock pass to Jokic. Porter Jr. raises up on the MIDI.
3: Hey.
4: and tips it home.
1: With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague.
4: So that'll be fun to watch and track Sabonis. And now he's feeling it right on Zubox's head. Wow. Down there where he's got his knees yeah. all iced mean, yeah. up.
1: Maybe oh. worth get technical for. It's pretty good done. I
0: mean. Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. <laughs>
4: All right. 602 in the Rose City, time for Dirt and Spring on Portland's Sports Leader 1080, the fan. Good morning, everybody. Uh, happy Monday, swag. Big Will Ortner in today. How we doing? Doing all right. What's going on? Everything's good. Yeah? Yes. Had a great little uh, jaunt
1: to bend ah. to see my son. I love a good jaunt. My son's
4: in love. Is he? Yes. He's got a boo? Yes. Wow. They're adorable. You met her? Yes. Oh, it was meeting the girlfriend weekend.
1: Uh, Significant other. I'm still working on this. Oh. Mm. Significant Mm. other. That's the term. I don't know what the term is. Okay. I'm still struggling with pronouns in this modern age. Did you say
4: girlfriend? And then that was like, no, 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 no. Well, I
1: knew beforehand uh uh a uh, uh, they. Okay, gotcha. All appearances gotcha you would be justified in what you are saying. Okay. So so showing my age, struggling with the uh <laughs> struggling with the uh, new grammar. Uh, but we got through. But How absolutely many- adorable, so happy as a parent. You're like, you just want him to be happy.
4: Yes, that's all you care about. Yes. And he's happy?
1: Happy. Big yeah.
4: smiles. Be honest. How many times did you go? Oh, I mean, how many times did you uh
1: only a couple okay and it was uh it was late saturday uh after i had a couple glasses of wine and we were playing cards
4: (laughs) all right so there you go all right well i'm glad that he's happy so yeah is he gonna live and bend his whole life
1: uh if he can pull it off he will really he yeah, when you're much. when you're a snowboarder. Yeah, like, no. World no. Well, you man, know. in
3: the summer it's beautiful
1: down there. You yeah, uh, go uh, whitewater yep. rafting. Uh, he likes to, to fish yeah. outdoors. He's skateboarding. He works in a skateboard and snowboard shop. Like go. if he can figure out how to design apparel and skateboard decks and snowboard decks, he'd be perfectly
4: happy. I think it's uh it's one of the things that I wish I could change about my wife is that she's not as fond of going over there. She doesn't like Bend. She doesn't like the outdoors. This is weird. We've had we've had experiences over there where we go to, like, Sun River, and Sun River is just it's a tourist spot, right? There's just the only neighborhoods really in Sun River is like, yeah. hey, you're going to stay on this compound, and mm-hmm. you've got the swimming pool area and some golf courses. Right. So we've done that more than we've actually stayed in Bend. But when we've stayed in Bend, we used to do the Bend Dale Trail as a show, and me and Dirt would go over to Bend for a weekend, and then eventually they said, yeah, you can bring your significant others. And so we would take our our girlfriends, our wives, and we would have a good weekend. I always thought it was a lot of fun. And every time we talk about going somewhere for the summer, I'll like, go, what if we go to Ben for three, three, four days? She's always like, meh. And I'm, I'm always
2: surprised oh. by it
4: because Ben to me – Bend is fantastic. Ah, it's beautiful in the yeah. summer. You're so right, Will. It's perfect in the summer, perfect and then the winter kids. you get snow. Yeah,
3: yeah. Like if you're taking the whole family, there's kids stuff that they can do yes. while the parents go and do other stuff. It's like the perfect spot for hey, kids, go to the water park. We're gonna go to the the bar over here, and we sure. can still keep an eye on you. Yeah, I know that's what my parents did. I love Sun River. Uh, it, is it because she wants to? Go to new places. Is she like, I want to see what's going on in Lexington, Kentucky, or uh, no. in Boston, Mass. I want to go
4: see the Haba. No, we're more beach people than we are Central Oregon people. Mm. Like I love being at the beach, even when the weather kinda sucks. Uh, I think the problem is largely when we've gone to Sun River, our kids were too young to just leave at the pool and go to the bar. so it'd be like, Hey, this kid might drown if we leave. So we'll it'd put be like in smaller pool. It well, yeah, but it'd be like us just sitting there watching them swim, or like you go in and you play with them, but you're like you're in three feet of water and you're kind of, I don't know. I get it. It can be a little boring if that's all you're doing. Right, going to Sun River and then just going to the the shark compound and then going back to the house and then, but I I think Bend is more adventurous than that. I I feel like biking and hiking and you can drive to Oh the a... best
1: thing's floating the river as it goes yeah. around the amphitheater mm-hmm. in the summertime. See
4: that? Awesome. Those aren't things that she's really into. She's really ba- a bad swimmer. Not into relaxing on on water? Not in water that she can't touch, no. Oh. She's not a good swimmer
1: at all. Oh, well people are in like kayaks and hey. I mean it's not you're just kind of floating around, and everybody's got a cocktail. And it, oh, it's, I I tend to agree with both of you. And it's fun when there's a concert at the amphitheater. Oh, it's and you just so loud in. if you don't want to pay or what? Are you like, like can't get in or whatever? Right. There's people like sitting on their paddle boards, basically on the side, just dangling their feet, listening to the concert for free. Yeah.
3: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, she could do what my buddy in college did. I used to have this big defensive end, like six five. 270 pound just ripped dude he couldn't swim so whenever we'd go and do like floating the river or stuff like that he would bring pool noodles she could do that yeah. <laughs>
4: I, I bought her a life jacket. Yeah. yeah I, it was perfect. I don't think she'd be in any trouble yeah. if we were all in the water Goes together. right there
1: by the Old Mill District. There's shopping. There's restaurants. It's, Everybody's it, hanging out, having a good time. The park's there. There's a big trail like right through the parking to walk or you hike. Know, you or don't have
4: to talk me yeah. into this. I love Bend. I Every time I've gone to Bend, I've had a great time. I've never gone to Bend and been like, eh. You know, I like the coast. I do. I love yeah. the beach. But I, I haven't been to Bend in a long time. You're making me want to go back there. So maybe I can, maybe if I arrange it just right, think of the activities, mm-hmm. go there sometime in the summer when it's really hot and nice, and so we can go out and do stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll have to put something together there so I can go. get it back in my life. It's like, uh, do it around
3: like Fourth of July or something. Unless you guys already have something that you do with family. Like that's the perfect time. Get out there yeah. nice and easy, go for three, four days. Yeah. I think they
1: still do the fireworks up by Pilot Butte. Oh, do they? I think so. I still
4: haven't hiked Smith Rock. I mean, I've been there like six, seven times. I've never hiked it. I haven't hiked it. Hiking's Uh, not necessarily my thing. Oh, you don't like hiking? I'm I'm with you on Uh, that swag. You don't like hiking either?
3: I'm not. Strike me as a hiker? No, I don't wear Patagonia. Uh, (laughs) I'm not anti-hiking. I'm just not pro-hiking.
1: Not the first thing. Like I'll go. I love going for a big long walk, like along the river. Yes, yes. But. Yeah, Like actually.
4: near the downtown area? Kind yeah, of that? through all the parks, yeah. there's a
1: long walkway and trails all along the river from one end to the other.
4: Mm-hmm. See, you strike me as shirt off gym shorts with leggings tight leggings underneath hiking guy See no but not you, Patagonia you're not a Patagonia no bro. no there's there's no Patagonia there's no uh, novelty with, beers with maybe a beekeeper hat just to make sure the top of the dome's not getting like sunburned or oh, something Oh no in you know? the
3: summer the, the dome is out I don't want to be the guy who has like the half the golfer tan where he's like <laughs> got a really white head and then tan everywhere else I hate that look I it, think it, it's stupid It's awkward yeah My uh, there's no Hats in the summer, which is really bad because I love wearing hats. Um, no, I you forget, I was fat, like really, really fat, and three hundred fifteen pounds does not look good. How much do you weigh right now? I am two fifty. I'm almost able to get into the 250. You dropped like
4: sixty five pounds since your playing days.
3: Yes, wow. yeah. So in about a about a year, year and a half, I'm down sixty five. I was really big, and so I don't mind having my shirt off, but I wasn't going to have my shirt off in situations where it's like. Let's go on this hike. Mm-hmm. I'm really big. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna take forever. I'm already working out a bunch, so I don't want to add extra workouts if I don't have to. Right. right. I have to get up at four in the morning to mm-hmm. see the sunrise. I don't care about that. Not a big hiking guy. Also, I'm really I'm a hairy dude. I'm. I got. You the, are. Oh yeah, dude. I got the yeti thing going, so the shirt stays on. Like there's I'm hair sore. on the back. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's BS that I have to have no hair on my head,
4: <laughs> but it's, but I, it's all, all on
3: my right? back. It's it's bogus. I, if I could go through it, like a bunch of people are like, if I could go back, I would take a pill so that I could have hair. And that's fine for them. If I could go and take a pill and never have any hair again, I would do it. Like, let me keep the normal hair that I need. Like, I need the beard. I need my eyebrows. Everything else mm-hmm. can go even the pubes it can go whenever like if i could i would take the red pill and mm. it would all be gone red pill blue pill hair back no hair at all no hair get rid of it
4: i think if you're ever debating if you should go do that extra workout or go get a hike in like oh we got to wake up at 5am we got to be at the top of this thing by 6:30 to see the sunrise nah. Watch a Goggins video. Stop being a bitch. You know what I mean? No, dude. I carry the boats plenty. I don't need to hear Goggins. That's the worst part. You need Goggins to just be like, hey, I've been running 18 miles. My foot's broken. Stop Stop being a bitch. bitch. They don't know me, son. They don't know me. (laughs) Who's going
3: to carry the boats? Well, probably PJ Fleck. Like, I don't. uh, Yeah. yeah. Those guys, those workout guys bug me, too. Like, Jocko's on there, too. Jocko has one video where I get really into it, and I'll listen to it on a day where it's like, Uh, you know, I don't really want to go to the gym. I need this. Yeah. extra pump up. But a lot of that stuff I just find stupid. Like, you know what I decided? I woke up this morning and I'm going to run a marathon today just because no one else is. They don't know me. They don't understand me, son. Right. That sounds stupid. Why would I do that? When I I can go have a nice workout, be gone for an hour, hour and a half, and then I can do whatever I want with my day. Have a nice lunch and then hang with my boys. Yeah, there's a a level of psychopath there that, it's not for me.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I love to exercise, and I actually genuinely do enjoy David Goggins, but sometimes when he does them, I just laugh, and I'm like, eh, they also don't know that you ran a marathon today, so, like... right like you really just did that for yourself
3: what's the point i i do love to uh take snapchat videos of myself throwing out the garbage and then saying they don't know me son the whole way Mm. who's gonna carry the boats i
4: i do like to make that's top end snapchat content right there
3: oh dude like the 50 followers i have on snapchat they love it they're just thrilled it's really a snapchat video for like three
4: people but they love it they're big fans are you on tiktok too no, I'm not on TikTok. Really? Everybody I, your age is on TikTok.
3: Yeah, but everybody my age likes to make videos and I don't really like to make videos. I really? Do. Yeah, I know. I our ten eighty account know. would suggest otherwise. I, know. I saw a lot of Will Betts this I week know. this season. I know. Yeah,
1: I don't like to make videos. I know. Swag hates hates the internet in general. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the information I'm looking for specifically. Get it to me. Let me get out and move on with my day. Swag would like to show
4: up to the studio at 5 a.m. or 4.45 a.m. with a nice, crisp newspaper so he could write his update based on what's in that newspaper. What's on? old school, Francesa. Hey, Peter (laughs) King retired. Did you see that? He announced it this morning. Yeah. Uh Oh? I read his column. He's all done with it, huh? He's got one more goodbye column that he's basically going to have listeners' comments of, like, how amazing he was. But, yeah, he went through a whole column and favorite interview, favorite memory, Mm -hmm. favorite moments, how he knew he was done. Like, yeah, Peter King retired.
3: People to go go check out now.
4: Yeah, that was cool, too. I also find those
3: interesting where sports writers retire, but then they don't really retire. Like, do you really think Peter King is going to be done? Like, you'll never see another written piece from Peter King ever again? or is it going to be like WWE where every 2 or 3 weeks Peter King, well, I don't know. Shows I could see up. him writing a book. Yeah, right? Like he he's a good writer and yeah, like I've read his stuff. I mean, yeah. shoot since like middle school. Mm-hmm. So I'm not bagging on him there. I just
4: don't think that he'll be gone. You, just the term retirement to you with media types it's never you're like never actually really going gone. away.
3: Yeah, you're never really gone. Like when a teacher retires, most of the time unless they love it to that extent they don't come back and teach right? right like they are done you don't see them in a classroom ever again
1: well my dad uh he he was a substitute for a while right like because everybody knew him in the districts and
4: that probably helped him transition into And it
1: transitioned life. yeah because and you know he's a science teacher so it's hard to find it's hard teacher. to find yeah. a science sub that can actually you know not run a, have
4: to play a movie. When run a lab
1: or do a lesson or <laughs> something like mine. that. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he did that for uh, a few years. And then he finally, yeah, he's like, okay, I don't need this anymore.
4: We had a substitute. Uh, they were teaching my daughter science in, in elementary school. And they had a sub during one of their, uh, I don't know, one of their lessons. And the sub comes in and was like, what are you guys learning? And they told him. And he had no science background. He goes, well, we're going to watch Tarzan today. We'll learn about the jungle. and." <laughs> Watch a guy swing around with a bunch of apes. Hey, hey alright, I've
3: been there. I've been. I'm not gonna lie. As a substitute teacher, there are times where you walk in and just be like, "All right, what Bill Nye
4: video are we firing <laughs> up today? Bill Nye the Science Guy." Well, thanks for coming in today, man. Uh, it's uh, we have a loaded show today. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a lot of hoops over the weekend. A lot of hoops. I. You know what? Let's start with that. We'll start with college hoops. Ooh. I feel responsible for something. I'll tell you what that is. We've got a loaded show. A lot to get to. Dirt and Sprague with Will Ortner in today, hanging out on a Monday. Next on the fan. All right, welcome back in. Dirt and Sprague here, six nineteen on Portland Sports Leader, ten eighty. The fan. We have a ticket giveaway yet again. Swigard just handed it to me, so we'll give this away. This is a final hour giveaway here, Swigard, or is it an anytime giveaway? Or text. I'm assume, It's a text, so okay. I'm assuming we'll give that out in the 8 o'clock hour. Okay, we'll wait for the 8 a.m. hour to do that. Uh, I felt like a jinx this weekend. I feel like a jinx a lot. I'll say something, and then the opposite will happen. And what's happened? Well, Oregon State women's hoops lost to Washington this weekend. <laughs> uh, that didn't go well. Uh, Oregon State won a game after we talked about how bad it was for the Beavers. Yes. Oregon lost to Cal. We talked a ton of Cougs randomly last week. They lost to Arizona State. I just, across the board, I felt like a massive jinx this weekend. Maybe I shouldn't talk uh, about you any shouldn't, of these Because that's
1: college basketball this season. It really is. When okay. you focus on college basketball, there's been very few teams that have been able to sustain success for long stretches of time.
3: Well, it's it's a lot of college kids being college kids, I feel like. Uh I know the women's game because the girls stay for sorry, women. The women stay for longer. Yeah. And so there's more camaraderie, there's more chemistry. They have they brands. To, right.
1: There's no there's no individual brands really in men's college basketball. Right. It's all the coaches and, and the, right. the schools. Yeah.
3: Right. And and so like they know how to play together and they know how to play better. So the upsets happen a lot less. But at the same time, there's still college kids where they might have had a bunch of tests that week and they're not completely locked in or they just have a day where they don't focus in as well and so you have more turnovers, you have more mistakes. It's just parity. That's why there's chaos. It's because everyone is the same. No one's like head and shoulders above everyone. No one's head and shoulders really below anyone unless you're bottom, bottom tier of your conference. Everyone's the same, so these things can happen. They happen a little less in women's, but they happen all the time.
4: One team that I thought was significantly worse than another that won this weekend was Arizona State beating Washington State and beating them rather convincingly 73-61 13 and 14 on the year going into this game against Washington State and the Cougars outright lose after beating Arizona in Tucson and so I I see that I'm watching that I'm like oh what a nice little delightful surprise talking about Kyle Smith on Friday <laughs> and they come back on Saturday and lose to this garbage Arizona State team here was Kyle Smith in the post game on yeah, not quite moving on from the Arizona win.
1: It was tough, man. It was tough for all of us. And as I said, this FOMO society, the social media—you're going to read a lot about yourself. I mean, my wife sent me a four and a half minute video. I said, "What are you doing?" My last guy, I like, nuts. You know, I love her to death, but like, even you know, I got—we're going to be focused on Arizona State, and it's hard. It's hard to move on from that.
4: Kyle Smith blaming his wife for his loss was not something I saw coming on Friday's show going into the weekend. Kyle Smith might get divorced over his wife posting a video to him on a you text. You know that would come up in the divorce seedings, too? Like, you badmouthed me
3: in the public. I deserve more per week. No, but but again, that's college, though. You finally do, not finally, but you beat Arizona. You sweep Arizona. That is a huge accomplishment but winning for at Tucson, Tucson,
4: too. You right. swept them, but your last game beating them was at Tucson.
3: And going into the year, you were supposed to finish 10th. That was the votes on where you were going to finish that year. WSU, you're having this great run. You're first in the Pac-12. Everyone is giving you your flowers. As a college kid, you're getting DMs all the time about how great you're doing. Look at all these awesome things. Of course. It was a close game to Arizona State, and that eventually led to a loss. This is classic college sports in general. How often do we talk about letdown spots Mm -hmm. in college football? If you had a big game, you won a big game, you're going up against a team that is clearly inferior or should be inferior, and then you have another big game the next week, so you're not paying as much attention. It happens. Also, you just won in Tucson, and you went on the road to play in Tempe, correct? Those are two of, oh, I don't know, the most attractive soror-
4: sorority schools on the West Coast. Are you blaming the coeds of Arizona State? That's who was responsible You're for Washington blaming State? Mill State? Avenue. Mill Dude, Ave?
3: I'm telling you right now. I played. Uh, I played a lot of games in western new mexico and we would stay in tucson because we'd fly out of the tucson airport and you better believe that tinder got downloaded and got put up for a lot of guys who knew that they were staying in the tucson area now couple that with the fact that you're playing for a team that people actually care about your wins and losses because uh, the sorority girls were not big fans of like well yeah we just won in silver city in our d2 football game no they care about hey this is washington state Your basketball players, they're all super tall, supremely athletic. Yeah, they've read their press clippings a little bit, and they probably hit on some people, and
4: they just didn't take the game as serious. I think that's the thing is, um, you know, going forward, we talked on Friday about their schedule, and I had said out loud, their schedule's pretty favorable for them based on where they were and everybody else they're playing was. They're going to get the best shot from everybody the rest of the way and mm-hmm. how they respond to this loss against ASU is going to be interesting. A team that didn't, I wouldn't say can't afford to lose, but basically is at a point now where they lose one more game, I think you can kiss the tourney goodbye completely. Oregon. yeah, Oregon lost to Cal. That one shocked me a little bit because I watched Oregon State blow a game to Cal, and Swag had mentioned that Cal in the last you know, few games has kind of pieced some stuff together. They're still sub 500, but they were in, injured early on this year, and they've kind of put it together now. I still don't think Oregon would lose to Cal outright, and here was Dane Altman in the post game on falling to Cal uh, in Berkeley. You know, I thought our guys played hard, uh, didn't hit any shots. Our ball
0: movement wasn't nearly as good as, as what it should have been. And again, I I think Dante gets abused in the post. You just they think because he's big, they can just lay on him and and hammer him every time. So, probably get in trouble for saying that, but it's it's the way the game is. And and so we just got to find a way to get better ball movement and keep him off uh, in, on the perimeter
1: a little bit more and flash him in there, so they just they can't hold him and lay on him. You got bend the knees, bend the knees. Cal is nine and eight in Pac-12 conference play. Not bad. They could finish with the
4: number four overall seed in the conference. That is insane to say out loud. They're thirteen and fifteen on the year. So I know this conference isn't amazing by any stretch, but to beat Oregon, Oregon can't afford to lose another game. They have their one big game against Arizona. That helps the resume. They probably have to go really far, either the final or the semifinal. David Cobb on Friday of CBS Sports told us he thinks they got to go on a run here. they got to beat Arizona, but they're still in that kind of last four out, first, you know, last four in, first four out, whatever that is. That's kind of where they were hovering. Then you lose to Cal. It's like, ugh. You, you you can't afford any more losses at this point. Well, it's also prime time of
3: people haven't paid attention to college basketball at all yet. and This is when we start gone, to kind of gear up and start paying it, yeah. attention. Uh, I think the key thing here, too, is f- the way it is for most teams. Just get hot. I mean, let's look at last year's national champion, UConn. They lost in the semifinals of their conference tournament. So it really just find a way to get into the tournament. If I'm Oregon, find a way to win every game that you can down the stretch. You have what four games left before you get into conference tournament play and then go on a run. But you have to take each game individually. Hey, it's one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And this, this Oregon team, They have the talent. They have the players. The Shellstead kid is fantastic and, of course, everyone knows how good Infoli Dante is, right? So you have the players to do it. You have the bigs. You have the smalls. You just have to find a way to get hot at the right moment. Your team, Sprague, Oregon State, what, three, four years ago during the COVID year? They got hot right at the right moment Yep, and it took them all the way to you're playing in the Elite Eight and Mm -hmm. honestly, that Elite Eight game was closer than people really remember. So you're talking about a team that wasn't in the tournament you know going into the conference championship they had to win that and go on their run but they did and sometimes college kids get hot oregon you just have to take it one game at a time and hope that you get the right players they get hot in the right moments maybe you'll sneak your way into the tournament
4: oregon has a uh, future non-conference but conference game this week on wednesday they face oregon state and then they've got the colorado utah game so oregon is right on that thin thin line if not just behind it for the tournament um Oregon State meanwhile have talked about them struggling all year and going on this almost six game losing streak they beat Stanford in Stanford a, need, a much needed win for Wayne Tinkle here's what he had to say about his team uh getting their first road win in quite some time
1: Yeah hey, long overdue I know it's just one win it's our first road win but so proud of the guys just he, he, all week long you know and we 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 felt like we gave one away the other night even though Cal give them credit played really good down the stretch but the guys, the way they bounced back yesterday, I told them in the locker room when I woke up this
0: morning and said my morning prayers. I-, I couldn't have been at more peace about approaching this
4: game because of their attitude and their response. Prayer is great, but does anybody else hear a grown man say that and just think of like a little boy on the prairie, like I'm going to say my morning prayers and go churn butter? It's kind of what I think when I hear that out loud. But uh, Wayne prayed for a win. He got to win. I get a little Hulk Hogan in there, like, eat your vitamins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Take your vitamins, oh, say your prayers. Beeps haven't had
1: too many wins of late,
4: so. Dude, they were like, what, I... 1 in 40 or something in their On last? On the road, yeah. Yeah, they're Ooh,
1: yeah. I, I Whatever you got to do to Woo. get a win, man. Coaches are superstitious.
4: God, Zeus, whoever you're praying to, man. <laughs> Beg for it. That's what you need. Please get us a victory now. Hey, they, they needed that. I don't think they would. I don't think they're going to fire Tinkle regardless. I don't think financially they want to make that decision to do a buyout. I think they're also going to give them a full four years post that Elite Eight run. But damn, man, if you had lost to Stanford, and like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, they are at Oregon this week, so that would have extended the row losing streak. Then you go to Eugene for a desperate duck team. You wouldn't mm-hmm. feel great about those odds. And then who knows what you do at home against Utah, Colorado. So uh, a much needed win, I think, for Wayne Teagle to just at least have Beaver fan breathe a sigh of relief, even as most Beaver fans at this point, I would say, are only largely paying attention to either the women's team or the baseball team. Because those programs are winning for the most part, right. whereas the men team has been pretty, pretty ugly this year.
3: Well, I mean, aside from the Elite Eight run, it has been. But that's also why I think it's a little foolhardy for people to be like, hey, let's move on from Tinkle. Who are you going to get that's better? And do you really want to replace your men's basketball coach and your head football coach the same year that you are taking a leap of we're not really in a conference, right? You got two years of independence. Yeah, you're going de- be-
4: to the, they'll, they'll be the WCC next two years. Yeah. And basketball.
3: Right. But again, the whole goal is you ha- you're you going to try and find a way into a different conference. I think you'd rather go into it with Tinkle than without and try and figure it out as you, as you piecemeal your way through,
4: right? Well, Pac-12 play has been interesting this year. And right when you think you trust a team... They go and lose a basketball game. I, I I do want to stay in college. You mentioned something earlier there. We had an interesting weekend in college hoops as this is gearing up more and more towards conference tournaments. Uh we'll dive. I got some NFL Combine stuff I want to dive into today. The NFL draft is a lot of fun so far. <laughs> and we're not even there yet. It's Combine Week. Uh, and something that three players in the Combine are doing that is the same and somewhat surprising, but also Pretty respectful what they're doing. I'll tell you who those players are and what I'm talking about. But uh, we'll talk a little more college hoops coming up next. All right. Well, uh, look, when you work in sports radio or sports media, you learn throughout a couple years there are certain things that come to light. Uh, We just got through one of them. That's bitching and moaning about the NBA All-Star Week. And how can we fix it? How can we make it better in July, we'll get to the uh, the MLB All-Star break. We'll bitch and moan about that. How do we make this game more competitive? What about the home run derby? Is it still fun? Uh, there's just always the annual complaint about something. Right. And in college basketball... Ah, it's back again. Should we allow court storming? Welcome back to the annual conversation where once a year people pay attention to college basketball nationally. And this is the topic. I'm looking at ESPN right now. Hey, Dominic Foxworth, we know you're one of the best NFL broadcast analysts out there. Why don't you hop on? We're going to talk about court storming today. We need you and 15 other people to talk about it. In a sport you didn't play, like, hey, can you come on and talk about college kids having fun? Well, look, This and this is the only reason it pops up. A player gets injured or something happens where a player almost gets in a melee or a coach is bumped wrong. Right. That's usually what motivates them to do this. We've had some court storming already this year, and nobody's talked about it. But then Kyle Filipowski of Duke runs off of the court, and he gets his knee banged by one of the students of Wake Forest because this is the upset. Here is the call of Duke uh, losing to Wake Forest. It's Mitchell. going to be Mitchell. Long pass in the front court, intercepted by Cam Hildreth. Horn sounds and Wake has done
0: it. The Deacons upset Duke by the final score of 83 to 79, and for the first time in four years, Mark, the Deacons off or knock off a top 10 team. Wake stays unbeaten at home, 15 and 0. The
1: students have stormed the court as Wake hangs on to beat the Devils, 83
4: to 79. And in doing that, that's Learfield Sports Wake Forest Radio. In doing that, they hit the forward for Duke in the knee. And now I believe they say he had a sprained knee, Swigard. Is that what I they thought, called? I don't ankle? know what the official it, it is a knee. It is a knee. Um, I had seen ankle originally and okay. then I think they went back and said it was but a knee this-
1: injury. I would say this. They started once that steal happened, the clock had not reached zero. Right. And they were coming and there was no virtually no security. You gotta get the team off the floor. Yeah,
4: Wake Forest right. and, and Shire, Duke's coach, were shaking hands, congratulating or just saying good game. Yeah. And,
1: and Shire was then like running over. Like you you gotta find a way. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. But you got to find a way to get the team off, both teams off the floor. Now, if the home team Mm -hmm. wants to go and get in the melee, that's up to them. But you got to let the visiting team. There's got to be a way to get them off the floor before they rush. I'm all for it. It's it's Mm -hmm. a special thing, but you got to have some sense of order there, right? Well. Creighton
3: did it perfect when they beat UConn. Creighton beat UConn, what, Thursday, Wednesday? Yeah. They beat him last week, early on in the week. Yeah, They stormed the floor. Guess what happened? Creighton had the right amount of security that was able to surround the UConn bench and keep the fans away right. from UConn. So UConn was able to get off the floor. Hurley was able to go over, shake hands, probably scream to himself about how upset he was, and then walk off the floor. Wake Forest, a lot of people are upset but when you look at the facts of this it is it was a record setting crowd it was the most amount of people that have been to a Wake Forest basketball game. You are
4: in a situation where Wake Forest they are on the bubble. Is that a right? fact? They had the most people at a game they've ever had. They had Chris I, Paul and Tim Duncan in that uniform. What I are we was, doing? I heard that it was a record-setting wow. performance. Is it they, a newer?
1: Have they re, have they built a new arena I don't since know then? About I, Wake about that. No. I don't. I don't know about that. Well, it's all. But, but it's all in the planning. The- I mean, there's Rockets. there's other things that you can go to, and it's like, okay, where do you put? Where are you putting the student section? As it relates, to, it looked like it was behind the hoop. It was behind the hoop, but it was next to the Duke bench. Right? Why isn't the student section next to the home team bench? There, there's stuff that you can do, in how you set things up, and where you place things, and then making sure you have enough security. And all of those sorts of things so that the potential for this doesn't happen. If students want to storm the court, unless you have an absolute army of security and you make it known, if you storm the court, you're likely to go to the clink and never come to a game again with a student ticket. They're storming the court, so...
4: Can we not put people in the clink for dumb reasons? That just... (laughs) 19-year-old, I what are you in here for? I stormed the court a little too early. I'm sorry about that.
3: Well, also, how many people... Like, how many are you really going to catch? You're going to catch, like, four kids, so four of the kids are going to get in trouble? Uh, I'm looking for the attendance. I pulled it up. It is a... It was a record-setting attendance
4: in the new era. I'm
3: I'm searching. So maybe
4: they've had a new era. Here was John Shire of Duke. He, uh, obviously, Duke loses... And kind of sly little move here. He gives credit, but also a little Coach K of, no, 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 no. The the story isn't that we lost. The story is the court storming. Because one of his players, his best player gets hurt. Here was John Shire in the postgame.
1: I'm more concerned about the the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When
3: are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it's a dangerous thing. You look around the country, and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He
1: sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court. You know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off, and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. It's part of it. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. That needs to stop.
4: I, I appreciate John Shire. He also went on and gave proper credit to Wake Forest. I watched you play at Duke, dude. We're like the same age. Stop acting like people didn't storm the court in crazy ways. When you played at Duke, I watched those Mm. games. Right. And, and that's part of
3: college kids having fun. It was, so it's their first sellout since 2017. That's programs down. Yeah. It's the highest attendance that they've had in the Steve Forbes era. It's almost 15,000 kids. Yeah. They needed to do a better job with security. You have a record setting attendance, Hire a record-setting number of security guards. Find a way to protect the kids. The other thing about it is... You start looking at people on Twitter X and the Darren Revells of the world. They're going, how dare they do this? How dare... Like, they're coming after him. They're trying to shove him. No, the kids are running onto the court because they're dumb college kids, and they're not really paying attention, and they got too close. And accidents sometimes happen. There needs to be a better job by security and by Wake Forest's administration of finding a way to protect the Duke players so that they can't get run into... But it's college kids having fun, and I'm not going to take away college kids having fun and storming the court. There's nothing more fun uh, in my college experience of being a fan in attendance and storming the court after beating our rival in volleyball for the first time in, like, 10 years. You guys stormed the court for a volleyball win? Dude, I painted my belly for a volleyball game wow yeah well dude, i've I'm, never I'm, heard of court Central's storming basketball for, team
1: wasn't
4: very good oh. no I, hey no judgment i just i'd never heard court storming for volleyball wins how about that it was
3: super sick i'm really <laughs> excited about it it's on my resume i'm really proud of how uh, serious i take d2 college
4: volleyball hey as long as you're there you're enjoying the scene that's all that matters swag i want to ask you this and we'll go to break you can answer on the other side should they ban court storming? Will they ban court storming? We'll talk about that a little bit more. We'll get to. Uh, I want to get some NFL combine stuff. Don't worry, we'll get to the nine percent Portland Trailblazers today at some point. But back with more dirt and spray on the fan. You know, one way to uh, fix this problem that everybody has with uh, court storming once a year, where it becomes a debate because they uh, they evaluated the sports landscape, and if they're not particularly strong in college hoops you know, what he's squeezing out today. And so people latch on to this and say, this is going to be the big topic of the day. And it happens again every year. Would you allow it in the NBA? Is that the best way to fix it in colleges? However they do it in the NBA is what you should adopt in college. Cause you can't see a world They've eliminated
1: in the it in sports. If you go back and oh, watch know. old, you know, from the late sixties, early seventies, like Boston garden, it, they were right on the old, the garden, Like that Mm -hmm. triple overtime game in the finals against the Suns, I think in the 70s or whatever, everybody just flooded out. And But now, I mean, the Players Association, actually, the problem is the college students don't really have any significant pull about anything, but the Players Union said. Not yet. Not yet. It's coming. Uh, But, yeah, you need to get some damn security in there because all of a sudden if you get a sprained knee on a, you know, $300 Three hundred million dollar contract, and they can't play in the playoffs. Now you got a different issue,
3: right? But but I also think that the uh, the fervor is different for your pro teams, right? Like people are excited, people are happy, people go to games, they love it when their pro team wins. But in in a pro setting, you have a variety of different ages, right? Now you have that as well in college sports, but the difference is. You have the student section, like the student section, the fan love, the fan appreciation. That is a major part of college sports. And people love to bring up, oh, we have the best fans. We have the best student section in the Pac-12. We have the best student section in the ACC. And part of that is when you have that student section, you have a big group of dumb 18 to 22-year-old kids who are Let's face it, probably a little drunk and are excited and they want to go out and they want to cheer and they want to yell. And so, not only do they not have the best ideas, anyways, they're now drunk and they want to go out and storm the court. It's a fun, it's an exciting thing. And sometimes they storm the court after a big win. You know, I think it's more on how do we find the security to. Protect the visiting team instead of taking away court storming, because even if you try to make it illegal, right? Like, yeah, if you storm the court, we're going to uh, arrest you and we're going to take you in. Don't you think they have better things to do as uh, a police force than to go in and write a citation to 50, 100 Two hundred kids. Oh, that's just not realistic. You know, it's not what they can do. So you're not going to do that. So then, how do you mitigate the problem to where it's as safe as possible? There are going to be issues that arise like this. There's going to be issues like Caitlin Clark at Ohio State where the fan ran into her. But if you look at both of those videos, I really don't think the fan is maliciously attacking Caitlin Clark or Filipowski. Oh, I
4: thought Caitlin. I I I love Caitlin Clark. Okay, I just bought a Caitlin Clark. uh, You break it, you own it. T-shirt. She absolutely flopped on that court storming situation with Ohio State. one, and we the, got the angle. She and, flopped, and the fan is just <laughs>
3: running onto the court. She's not running to hit her. She's just not paying attention now, and f- that happened. I the-
1: think she was just more she they weren't looking at each other. No. And it right. was more shocked. And she just threw her hands and up. and kind of fell to the ground. yeah, and
4: right. Filipowski was legitimate, like contact, not
1: well, he had contact from like the first one was like, they were just running on, but then the two behind him saw him. And the, like, right. I understand, look, I'm not a Dookie fan, but I, under, I understand why Filipowski thought he was a target.
4: Yeah. Right? I, I also understand Shire's anger. Like that's, mm-hmm. hey, my best player just got kneed, knee to knee from a random drunk student. I'm, I'm kind of pissed off right now. Mm-hmm. I do get it. I, I just, I don't know. I think the it's thing fine. about this conversation is it's not going to get banned. They no. have these fines. They do this in football. Hey, your conference well, not is going to get AC. fined.
1: That'll get fixed.
4: Yeah, but. They did this in the SEC in Tennessee. You know, they stormed the field and they well, put they a just field goal to, post. They just
1: need to jack up the fine, like a hundred thousand dollars to an SEC athletic department. And here you go. Okay, but let right. me ask That's you to stop you.
4: I, I I have been on a field storming moment. I I stormed the field in 06 when Oregon State upset. Yeah, USC. football
1: field. There's a bit more room to operate. That's the other thing. A basketball court is a pretty finite area. But don't you love right.
4: the visual of it? I think the visuals great. Seeing all these happy yeah. students jump. And up I've and down. seen,
1: I've been down on the field. I've seen some state troopers just like the protection around the coach. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. And I've seen some state troopers
4: lay out some college kids. I've seen some coaches. <laughs> I mean, you have coaches that'll push some college yeah. kids like get the hell out of my way. Well,
3: and, and the college kids kind of deserve that because like once you get onto
1: the floor. That's on you, right? If you want to run up you to coach K, you are technically trespassing at that point.
3: Right. And if you want to run up to coach K and be like, "Put that in your juice box and suck it because we just beat you," you can totally do that. That being said, you can get totally laid out by, you know, a, a security guard or by a police officer, whatever. It's it's fun. It's what makes college basketball unique. I think you just got to find a way to protect the team better. Otherwise, like it's not going away.
4: Yeah. There's a poll question I put up at Dirt and Sprague. Should they ban court storming? I just rewatched the Shire thing because they just played it on ESPN on the TV in here. He's got this thing where he talks, and I don't know where he's from, but he like kind of does the side of his mouth thing. Oh. So when he's saying like "Hey," he's like going the side of his oh. mouth to say "Hey" as he screams at students for hurting oh. his his forward. Doing a Connery? Kind of, yeah. Like "Hey, hey get out of here!" I think
1: what's more likely to come out of this, and I hope it actually does because I don't see the point in it mm. especially after a heated game' They'll well, we, get rid right. of the handshake line po- post game yeah yeah I've seen more stuff get started or get finished in a handshake line yeah in college hoops you know the coaches usually shake hands before
4: the game which right. is great how about a rule? If you're the visiting team who's getting upset, if that scenario is in play.
1: Yeah, clear the bench.
4: Five seconds to go, the game is over, mm. let the visiting team just go off the court. Like, if the other team's just going to dribble out, who cares? Right. You don't need yeah. to do a handshake line for that Coaches night. can wave, yeah. kind of like the NBA. Like a big right. thank you, good night, good yeah. game, congratulations. So the coaches
1: almost always come over and shake hands yes. at the start of the game. Yeah. And college kids, I mean, they're college kids on the floor. They get fired up in a game, too. and They do. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, I mean, like when Notre Dame stormed the, the field when they
4: beat USC, the kid ran right up to Caleb Williams and was like,
3: Yeah, eat that. You know, like, yeah, that's,
4: and that's, that's got to, you got you to gotta not allow that to happen. Like, to ride right. up on him like that, because mm-hmm. you just never know with certain kids. So, or I, allow the player to hit him. Yeah, well, I don't think you want that either. That's assault, brother. Um, it's the annual debate. It happens every year, once a year in college basketball. And Duke, unfortunately, is the team that it, uh, it comes from after they lose to Wake Forest. Uh, we have a lot to get to in the second hour. I want to start with this. What do Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, and Michael Penix Jr. have in common? Because it's pretty good news. Our number two, dirt and Sprague on the fan.
1: I'm your huckleberry. (laughs) This is Dirt and Sprague. Why, Johnny Ringo, you look like
0: somebody just walked over your grave.
1: With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. Fight's not with you, Holiday.
0: I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Play for blood, remember? Dirt and Sprague on 1080. I was just fooling
4: about. I wasn't. The fan. All right, welcome back in our number two. Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080 The Fan. The Odyssey app, YouTube, and 99.5 HD2. We've got Big Will Ortner hanging out with us today. Having a great time. Willie O. That's right. Did you have a nickname?
3: Uh, or was Big it just Will. Big Will.
4: Ort. A lot of people call
3: College, they called me Ort. That's kind of. Yeah, Ort. I because like your last Ortner, name
4: enough to just call you Ortner.
3: I know. I don't really, like, my names aren't set up to be good nickname names, and I don't do anything that crazy to have, like, oh, that's uh, that's dirt, or, like, I have a buddy named Toe. Sure. My roommates, I don't have, like, a toe injury story yes. like he did to be called Toe. Right, right. Unfortunately, I'm usually just
4: Will. The little cousins call me Big Will. My last name was... Like, kind of my nickname. And I never, like, asked anybody to call me that. It just, Mm -hmm. people just naturally, Sprague, Sprague, Sprague. So when someone said Brandon, I I don't always turn around because it's not the most common name, but I'm not used to people. only person that says Brandon is either my Mm in-laws or my mom if I'm in trouble. Does anyone call you B-Storm? Nope. That's
3: I had a I had a buddy a named thing. Brandon in in high school and he was called B Storm B Storm he he self created the nickname and uh, he was see but here's where he was smart is he started like saying oh yeah I was talking to so and so and they were like what's up B Storm and so he'd throw it in that way uh, so he was never like oh B Storm is beating you he would sneak it in and pretend like other people called him B Storm and slowly mm-hmm. but surely people started actually calling him B Storm. Mm. And I was the only one that was hip to what he was doing. He just wanted a cool nickname, and so he- He thought B-Storm was the cool nickname? Dude, people loved it in high school. Hawkinson B-Storm, like, that was a sick thing for him. But he created it himself. He sneakily created it himself, and then I found out, and then because I'm a jerk, everyone became Storm. So, you know, I started- I think I called a
4: teacher, like- alan storm or a storm whatever see that makes for a fun douche or no douche creating your own (laughs) nickname with b storm see
3: but if you do it well and then you go to college and you tell everyone that they called you b storm and then people from school actually do call you b Storm, all of a sudden you're b storm he made his own nickname and he almost got away with it if it wasn't
4: for for me you meddling kid
3: yeah my meddling my meddling ways
4: Pull off the mask of your friend just to find it's still your friend who <laughs> <laughs> created yeah. your nickname. You, did. you Uh We have a lot to get to. We're gonna talk some NFL here. I um, the combine is this week. Yeah, I'm excited about the combine. I I, I want to get to a little bit of how fun the draft is. I, I we've had listeners that once in a while will chime in, and be like, NFL really? It's not happening right now. I'm like uh, the NFL draft is pretty fascinating. It's a massive event. Tons of eyeballs. What teams are gonna make moves? What teams are gonna find their quarterback? And I found something interesting over the week in reading some of the combine stuff going into this week. So I, I, I said last week at some point, a lot of these guys don't participate in the combine anymore. It's right. it's not as big event. Uh, I think the Senior Bowl, for example, is growing in popularity. I forget the name of the other bowl, but it's not the seniors. Well, there's this, shrine, the shrine Bowl. You've these got guys the Shrine Hoola
3: Bowl. Yes, you can uh, I played in the HBCU Dream Bowl? Okay. The HBCU? I, I somehow dumbed my way into the HBCU bowl. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I still don't know how I did that. But but I, you did it. I did it. I did it. They thought I was a doctor. It was a whole thing.
4: Well, they uh, they've have all these new things that are growing in popularity by the year, and so the combines becoming more and more like. Oh, I'll be there. I'm not going to participate. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys have pro days. Caleb Williams announces not throwing, and I don't think that's surprising by anybody. He's got enough tape out there. Evaluate him yourself. Right. You could say that for a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft, Will. What I read and found out over the weekend that made me happy was J.J. McCarthy. Let's use that name. Mm -hmm. We talked to a Denver guy on Friday. He's shooting up in mocks. People are starting to like kind of lean in on J.J. and say, hey, he might be a better player than people give him credit. Mm -hmm. I don't think J.J. McCarthy's in a position where he has to absolutely throw at the combine. I think it helps, but he doesn't have to. He played at Michigan. Michael Penix Jr., same kind of deal. He's fallen in a lot of mocks. Some people think he's a round two guy, and so he could be in a similar situation. If I throw, it puts me at more risk to maybe fall further. Bo Nix is one of these names. He's mm-hmm. anywhere from the early teens to the back end of the first half, depending on who's drafting at what spot. Right. None of these guys have to throw at the combine, and all three of them announced that they will. And I love this Mm -hmm. because normally these dudes don't need to do it. They have pro days. They can just have their own receivers be there, showcase those guys, be in gym shorts and do the Zach Wilson where we spin out, we throw 60-yard bombs, Mm -hmm. and the Jets fall in love with that one play instead of going to the combine and missing on key moments and key throws where all the scouts are, where all the personnel is at. They don't have to do it. And all three of them have decided that they're going to. And I, for one – as a fan, as a viewer who's really in on this draft, right. I'm excited about it. I'm glad
3: all three are doing it. Well, I know the NFL is excited about it too because when you have guys like that that are throwing, more people are going to tune it because, like, I remember when the Combine wasn't. I mean, obviously it was a thing, but people didn't pay attention to it the way that they do now. I mean, that was NFL Network. Maybe you'd tune in on Saturday. Maybe you'd go see the 40. You'd see the O-lineman bench press, D-lineman bench press. And now, like, that's primetime television. People really care about the Combine. But I also think the reason that these three guys are throwing is because they know the fourth quarterback kind of seems to be up in the air. Right now, everyone knows that Caleb Williams, if he's not drafted
4: number one overall by the Bears, he's gonna go number two. I think. Will, can I interject real quick? I think you're making a good point on the fourth. I think some of these guys, maybe all three of them, right? Maybe in the back of their minds, they think the third one is up in the air. I think
3: you'll know if Jaden Daniels throws. It seems like there's a lot of smoke right now around. Daniels Jayden is Daniels. not. Gonna he's throw. not throwing. Yeah. that to me feels like then jane daniels is gonna be the third he probably
4: had intel saying dude you're gonna be in the top three and that could definitely be right but i think these three maybe not penix but penix probably thinks high of himself think they have a shot if they go out there and they're Mm -hmm. really impressive at the combine
3: well i think the biggest thing for penix which is different than mccarthy and nicks is his a lot of his stuff is going to depend on what do his medicals show right like if if penix comes in and his medicals are garbage. He is going to fall. That is why he is falling in the draft. That's why he's not talked about as the third because his throwing ability—it's probably the best of all the quarterbacks that are coming out. He can make all the throws. He's got the he's accuracy, accurate. Yep. Right. When it comes to McCarthy and Nick's, they have to show that they're not just check down artists because that's what every knock is on all these, on those two, right? JJ McCarthy, you were in a system where you were asked not to turn the ball over. You're, you're a field general, you're a game manager. So he's going to want to go out and show, Hey, I can make all the throws bone Nicks Everyone's calling him, oh, you have a high completion percentage because it was a bunch of check downs. Now, I'd make the argument if you watch the game, why would he pass up a running back who's wide open two yards down the field with no one within 10 yards of him? You know you're going to get 10 yards on that play minimum. That's who he should be passing
4: to. And and I don't disagree with that. I said this during the season is the the conversation and the narratives about him and Daniels got kind of weird at one point. Right. And I didn't think we needed to trash any of the players, but I did think the numbers spoke for themselves. On passes 20-plus yards down the field, Knicks just didn't do it. Mm. And I think uh, some Duck fans or whatever took the the slander as, like, some big grandiose thing that he's a garbage-ass quarterback, and I I never viewed it that way. I right. just – I did watch a lot of Oregon stuff, and I re-watched Oregon stuff, and I'm mm. like, he is making screen passes a lot to Bucky Irving, but it's getting big chunk plays. He was hitting Tez for right. out routes that would go 25 yards and like – that's all good. Like that, that worked for what their offense was. Right. And in the same way, I watched Jaden Daniels absolutely stat stuff. One hundred percent, they would play garbage teams. Their last game of the year, he like eight touchdowns, and yeah. it's like, eh, some of those numbers are going to be a little misleading. So I just thought the the conversation got a little noisy and mm-hmm. weird. But I thought the numbers also just bear out who you are. Nix was not pushing the ball down the field. But he
3: also didn't have to, and that's not what the exactly. offense was asking. Sure, and, But that's why I think they're throwing in this combine, because there is that fourth QB spot that's up for grabs, and they want to get it, right? Like, there's a big difference between being the fourth QB who's probably going to go in the first round to being the fifth QB who right now it seems like you might not go until the second or third round. That's... A Big money, and that's a big money difference. So I think the reason that these three guys are throwing, yes, it's cool, and and as a fan you're excited, and it shows that they're competitive, they want to compete, but I think they also know that there is a fourth spot that is open, and it's going to be the difference in literally millions of dollars for these three, and if they can go out and put on a good performance and really impress the scouts when they are throwing to wide receivers that they haven't been throwing to for two, three years that they're not used to, right? Because when you're a pro day, you throw to your wide receivers from college. You're throwing to these random kids. If you can go out and have a good performance, it might lead to them being more likely to sign you in that fourth spot.
4: Do these quarterbacks also know how they benefit in some ways to what's currently being talked about around their names and also how this could hold, whole whole landscape of it could change Based on where these other quarterbacks go, it's a fascinating thing. I want to dive in some more because there's something about Penix, Nick's, you could throw McCarthy, uh, McCarthy in it. Mm-hmm. That I just, I wonder if anybody in their life in their ear is telling them this about the NFL draft that's coming up pretty soon. We'll get to that next. I'll tell you what it is next on the fan. We beat it. I'm well aware that Penix, Nick's, McCarthy, they're they're about as competitive as it gets in sports, and so saying this to them would be kind of ridiculous. But I I just think the history of the league tells us sometimes it's it's for the best. They're going to work out and throw at the combine, and I, right. again I'm fan, I'm thrilled about that because I want to watch them. I mean, a lot of pressure on those telecasts of like, hey, you got to make this throw, you got to be accurate. I also I hope that somebody in their life is telling them like, yo, just go do your best. Mm-hmm. If you fall, though, it could end up being the best thing for you because you could fall to a situation where you need to learn. Mm -hmm. If you would have told Jordan Love that going into the draft, Jordan Love would be like, the hell with that? I want to be a top-five pick. And I get it money-wise. This is a business. Right. But he fell to Green Bay, and he got to see and learn from Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. And now Green Bay is like a trendy, fun pick because he he proved it over the course of last season in the playoffs – and now here he is going into this year's second full season as a starter. And a lot of people want to pick Green Bay to win the NFC. It doesn't happen for every quarterback. But again, Penix is already projected as a second round guy. Nick's, as I mentioned, is either a teens or late first guy. These guys falling, it's not the end all be all for them. They could end up in a great situation where there's a veteran there that's going to be in, eh, a little iffy. Mm-hmm. And you get to learn for a year or two on the bench and then get your shot and be ready. I know Penix and Nick's are older, so you could simply you could simply cite the age. But I think those guys, if they do end up falling, it's gonna feel devastating. I just hope somebody's in their life saying, This could actually end up being the best possible thing for you versus being Jaden Daniels going to New England mm-hmm. where Gerard Mayo is an unproven head coach. Right. Their system is unproven in general. And yeah, they won Super Bowls, the culture, yada yada. That's been a while since that stuff was what it was. And so it it he might not be able to succeed because the situation might not allow it. There's there's very few. You could probably count will on a hand on just one hand. How many guys had they gone to a bad situation could have still found a way to succeed? And I think that might be generous. There there's so much that goes into being a new quarterback in the NFL. To me, if you fall, you might fall to the perfect spot versus do you want to be the second quarterback? You absolutely do. They'll sign up for that all day. Mm-hmm. But you're going to go to a situation and be asked to do it now. And some most guys are not ready to do it now.
3: Right. Well, and I think it also depends on each quarterback. Like, when you look at Penix, he wasn't playing right away at Indiana. Obviously, he earned it and he played very quickly in his tenure, but he wasn't right away jumping into the fray. When I look at Bo Nix, that's what Bo had to do at Auburn. He jumped right in. He was supposed to be the Auburn savior. He's following in his dad's footsteps. And you saw that that pressure got to him, especially when he was younger. Now, I'm not going to say that he completely changed once he got to Oregon in the fact of now the pressure doesn't get to him, but he got to a better situation where the eyeballs weren't on him. He wasn't supposed to be the savior of the Oregon Ducks, but he also got two offensive coordinators that set up their offenses to exploit his strengths, Dillingham. Hey, you like to be on the run. You like to be on the move. I'm going to set up an offense that allows you to do that. When you look at coach Stein's offense, it is, I'm going to get the ball out of your hand as quick as possible because I want to stretch the defense and I want to get the ball with our playmakers in space. Let you read the defense pre-snap and then make the best decision. I'm not going to ask you to go and throw a bunch of 50, 50 balls. I'm going to ask you to throw a bunch of 95-5 balls, and we're going to try and win the game on just finding the open receiver and beating you that way. So I think for me, when it comes to a lot of these quarterbacks, especially with these three, it's about the situation that they get put in. So is the situation best if, say, one of them got taken at, I believe Seattle's at 16, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of smoke around, hey, Seattle might go and
4: take a quarterback. He coached. Penix Jr., right? Right.
3: right. Geno Smith is a clear Mm -hmm. stopgap. Like, he's done well, but he's not going to lead you to a Super Bowl, and he's not your future. Right. So could that be a situation for one of those guys to go into where, hey, we're going to sit a year, we're going to sit behind Geno, we're going to figure it out that way? I think that could be a good spot, as opposed to if, say, Pittsburgh came in and drafted one of those guys, and they would draft them, obviously. I think they're 18 or 20. They're later on in the draft. I think that the draft to Seattle, where you're going to have to sit for a year or two, is better than getting taken by Pittsburgh because you're immediately getting thrown into the fire and you're getting thrown into the fire with a team that they are good enough to get to the playoffs, but they are not good enough really to be a Super Bowl contender.
4: Yeah, they're a different tier of contender. They're like, hey, they're a good playoff team that's feisty and maybe they get you, but for the most part... They're not better than Cincinnati with Burrow and healthy. They're not better than maybe Cleveland. They're not better than Baltimore. Mm -hmm. They're not better than Buffalo. Not better than Kansas City. And they're capable of winning those games Mm -hmm. once in a while. But you don't look at them right now. I think that's an interesting one, too, because are they ready to move off Kenny Pickett? And there seems like a lot of smoke that they are. But then the talk is,
3: well, they might want to go for an older free agent, right? They might want to try and make a play for Baker or for Russ or, you know, Russ is the one that, it seems like they want to make a move at or maybe make a run at, at Kirk cousins. But if they were to not do that and they wanted to go young again, because it does seem like they're going to move on. I don't necessarily think that's a great spot for some of these young quarterbacks. So I don't necessarily think it's better to sit behind a quarterback necessarily. It's about the situation that you're going to be put in. If you are Caleb Williams, you're going one, two, if you're Drake may, the only reason you would go one is because Chicago has some sort of issue with with Williams. They don't want uh the free flowing style that he has, or you're starting to hear now, you know, uh, a lot of these Merrill Hodge type scouts, NFL Yeah, Merrill analysts, Hodge
4: is super against Caleb. He doesn't think Caleb's impressive at all. They don't because they don't like that he plays the backyard
3: style. The backyard style has lots of pros and you look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes plays a lot of backyard. So does Josh Allen. Style football. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so can Lamar. Like, so does Lamar. So do a lot of these quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh but the problem with the backyard style is
4: you don't really know
3: what you're going to get.
4: It's a high risk, high reward. Yeah, but and 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 I don't disagree with that. It is mm-hmm. a dangerous thing to play. Caleb is on the shorter end of the quarterback spectrum, but there are really good examples of guys who kind of thrived in it and are right. thriving in it. I mean, one that
3: talked this weekend
4: came. was Russ Wilson. Right. I know Russ was known as a game manager when he started there, but when he was really killing it in Seattle. He was cooking. He wasn't just sitting in a pocket all day. He's a moving around the pocket guy, using the legs as a threat right. while pushing the ball down the field. And that's how more I'd view it, is if you mm. think Caleb has the arm strength to make throws, if he thrives on movement and not just sitting in a pocket behind six 6'6", six, Lineman as a six one and a half guy, right? I you kind of have to trust that he knows what he's doing. He's been doing it at a high level. I looked at a mock from Matt Miller just at ESPN, mm-hmm. just bringing up a mock. He's got the Seahawks, and I tend to agree with this. Going defensive line at sixteen—that's
3: what I would prefer. They go, have to get defensive line for you know?
4: uh, the FSU kid
3: verse Verse a or no? I, I, verse... Yeah, Jared Verse. Yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, they he has him taking Byron Murphy, the DT from Texas, right. who's just a stalwart in the middle, Huge. but. Mm-hmm. I you know it'd be really interesting if they did go quarterback and then go Bo Nix and you're like oh Ryan Grubb go Bo Nix over Michael Penix but I tend to believe Penix right. is going to be a day two guy. What situation you were looking at quarterbacks potentially on the move? Yes, Fields for example it, he's getting traded. It's yeah that's
3: it seems like everybody yeah, knows a done deal.
4: yeah it's a done deal it seems that that's happening. Kirk Cousins' future in Minnesota is interesting, right? Uh, I know Derek Carr just restructured with the Saints. The Saints might draft J.J. McCarthy. Right. You know, if he's going to go to a spot, maybe that's a good spot, at least to be behind a Derek Carr with no pressure to start day one.
3: I, I think Minnesota is a sneaky good spot for one of those three. Uh, because like when you look at it, they're going to want to re-sign Kirk.
4: Right? For Knicks or Penix to get Justin Jefferson in his career, oh my God.
3: Well, and and Kirk is the perfect guy to learn under because like when you look at how Mahomes started, he talks all the time about he didn't know what a mic was. Like he didn't know how to set a mic. And when you're setting a mic, that's how you set the protection. When you hear NFL games, you'll hear the quarterback go 55 is the mic. What the quarterback is doing or the center, some offenses are different where they say, Hey, 55 is the mic. That sets their protection. That determines, Hey, are we going to slide to the mic in certain protections? Are we sliding away? So that means the running back is going to insert and the running back will block the mic. Or do we have to keep the mic in our count as an offensive line? He didn't understand that. So that means he didn't understand to look for who might be blitzing and where he might have to, like, if you have a five-man protection and you don't understand where the mic is and how that affects your slide, you might not know if an outside linebacker blitzes, is he going to be in the count? Are my offensive linemen going to pick him up? Mm -hmm. And if they're not going to pick him up because, say, the the defense brought six guys. There's going to be one guy unblocked. I have to know as a quarterback, well, if that guy comes, I have to throw to this route because it's a blitz beater. He didn't know that. And so, when he came in and he spent that year under Alex Smith, Alex Smith taught him how to, hey, what is the mic? How does this affect our offensive line? How does this affect our pass pro? Will this uh, change and add our running back into the pass protection, or will they still sneak out on their route? So, when you have a quarterback that can teach that to someone who's young, it, it's huge and it makes all the difference. Kirk Cousins, he has to know those things because he's not fast enough, right, to run away from a free blitzer. So for a Bo Nix, a J.J. McCarthy, even a Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, this is a great spot for them to learn because they can learn all these intricacies pre-snap that they might not know going into the college game because the college game, it's not built so much for those pre-snap reads, it's We'll find the open guy because a lot of the college game is now built on the air raid system, and that's all Mike Leach ever told his quarterbacks to do. Find the open guy and throw it to him. So I think for these quarterbacks, if you're not going to be one or two like Williams or May, and I'm even going to throw Jaden Daniels into this now. Yeah, because he's in that running, yeah. You want to be in a system where they're going to build the offense around you, but you can also take a breath and learn the intricacies of being a quarterback. If you're not going to go one, two and I'm Bo Nix, I want to be under a Geno Smith, a Kirk cousins, because they are going to teach me how to play the system and how to play quarterback in the NFL.
4: I want to get to a non football thing in a minute. I want to ask you both very quickly, what situation in the top three would you dread the most? Chicago's never had a franchise quarterback. They have like 11 straight losing seasons D.C., I know they have a new ownership group, but their name's going to get changed soon. It just feels like a very, you know, they're still trying to build it back up. And they have a new coaching staff with the right. with the lead coach being defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then New England, Gerard Mayo has never been a head coach, another defensive guy. And it ain't like you look on that roster and see a whole lot of options if you're throwing. Which situation in the top three is the worst to you?
1: I think the Patriots. I think there's the roster is needing help all over the place. And now that Belichick's gone, I think there's, I think the fan base is like, it, can we ever can we recapture it? Can can right. we stay at that level, or are we going to go back to the pre-Belichick days? They're
4: doing a weird thing too, Swag, where they move on from Belichick, but they give it to a former player of Belichick. So they're like, we got new, we knew new culture. It's like
1: I think there's a lot less know. patience for development if mm-hmm. you go to the Patriots versus Washington. Everybody's trying to build this from the scratch right. up,
4: uh, and then Chicago where. You know, they're there's good weapons in DC. I've been saying, I think DC is yeah. a sneaky good little yeah. team, and with, I think course,
1: Chicago's yeah. trying to understand that you can't just throw it all on a quarterback. You got to give that person some help. Have and they so, learned that?
4: I don't know. Yeah. if They've learned that in Chicago, man. And they're do. Have you seen the sports radio station in Chicago? They're doing all these quarterback things, and it's mm-hmm. gonna be every week, no matter what. A big breakdown of, hey, was he good or bad? Is he a franchise guy or not? I feel like that's gonna be. Well, week I think that's, to week that's in for Chicago.
1: Fields. I think if they go to a rookie then...
4: Well, if it's Caleb, it's going to be a little different expectation, right? Yeah, but that's going to be with him wherever he goes. That's not going to be as reliant on the team. Uh, We'll get to what I want to get to, but quickly, which situation of the three is the worst?
3: I'm going with Chicago, and the only reason I'm going with Chicago isn't the weapons, it's the front office, and it's the coaching staff. Because if this season goes poorly, which you have a young quarterback, it probably shouldn't go swimmingly. It's going to be a struggle. It's very rare that you get a rookie quarterback that comes in and lights the league on fire like C.J. Stroud did. If they struggle, they're probably going to move on from Dweeberflus. And so then if you move on... You're calling them Dweeberflus? Yeah, I think it's super funny. <laughs> it's a funny way to say Eberflus. It's uh, a good one. If they move on from Dweeberflus, you now have a young quarterback who would have a new head coach and probably a new offensive coordinator in two straight years. And that's the issue for Justin Fields, is they kept getting a new Constant offensive turnover. coordinator. Yeah. Right. When you are young... You need stability. So you need to find a good offensive coordinator or a good quarterback's coach who is going to be there for the long run and is going to be able to help move that quarterback along. It's the same reason why I said it would be good to learn under a Gino or a Kirk. Right? Yeah. There's more stability.
4: Uh, all right, coming up next, I didn't know people still cared about this until I talked to Swag this week, and I'll tell you what that is. Cam Newton in a one-on-three brawl this weekend at a seven-on-seven tournament. And the Blazers shot 9% from three last night. 9%. Not in the first quarter, the whole game. Uh, Swag surprising me next on The Fan.
5: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today
5: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
4: Uh, Cam Newton in a one on three fight. Didn't even break a sweat. Hell in a cell. Yeah, it was a hell in a cell. We'll talk about that coming up. The Blazers shot 9% from the field hey it that's better than the three it was when I turned the game on well I shouldn't say the field overall from three uh nine yes, percent from three god that that's one of the worst basketball games I've ever watched, and a nice position to be in if you're the blazers, and I'll tell you what that position is. We'll get to that at the top of the hour uh yesterday, I was texting with Swag will, yeah, and we were I was texting about the blazer game because I'm watching the blazer game on my big screen and I'm trying to get the show put together and my right. nightly dad duties. And I have it off, and I'm just, like, disgusted by what I'm watching. I'm like, God, this is awful. And Swag's responding, oh, not even on my television. I have this, this, and Dodger Spring Training. And I go, you cannot be caring about spring training. Yes, he can. He's a Dodgers fan. I've watched fan. every
1: spring training game so far, either live or or off the uh, off the MLB app.
4: And he responds, I don't know, man. A little sketchy at our four or five starters in this other spot. <laughs> and I love I, it. Th- this, this is my reaction to it, okay? Yes. My reaction is, you're the Dodgers. Your offense largely makes none of that important, and even when it becomes important— you're the Dodgers. You're going to end up getting a pitcher in a trade at the deadline that everybody gets mad that the Dodgers got another nice thing because somehow they've manipulated the salary cap or not the salary cap, but the, the pay structure of right. Otani who gets a billion dollar deal. They get Yamamoto. They they're just in a position where they get all of the nice things. And he's watching all the spring training. And I understand, uh, understand spring training, a lot of you it goes back to a moment in time with your dad or uncle or maybe a buddy in college where you went to spring training it it signals the nice weather is looming right but i just find spring training largely irrelevant and i understand and you can That's why I was on the
1: secondary TV. I was I, watching
4: the NBA it the, doubleheader. It's a on ESPN. It is not because important
1: because the the Warriors Nuggets game was all that was interesting clay goes nuts in the first quarter and then uh, the Warriors can't play defense at the end of the first half and they're screwed and then the uh, the Kings Clippers was quite a nice uh, surprise
4: there to end out the in, the evening. So
1: it was on the secondary
4: TV. Side note Uh, I'm seeing the court storming thing still being argued about on ESPN because this is really all they have today. It, Filipowski kind of looks like a breadcrumb with a massive amount of ants gathering to it to carry it back to the nest. It's what it kind of looked like go. from above. It looks like
3: one of the zombie movies. But here's why I'm all on board with Swag watching. The Look, Gavin
4: training. Lux
1: season. Uh, he lost the season to an injury. Can he come oh back? And he's God. the scheduled starting shortstop there for him. Is he gonna You're not going to
4: know. It's spring training.
1: You but, need to
3: wait till June to know this. But this is the true sign of a true fan
1: you're not a you, true baseball f- uh, i don't got, think you're a real baseball i'm fan. not
4: i've told you how many times do i need to say it out loud i follow the braves i followed them a lot last year yeah. and then they crapped the bed it is a hard sport to be a diehard in especially if well, you, have to either love, good, you have to love the sport. You just have to love watching the game be played. I find the game to be largely boring.
3: Well, uh. his team has got the two biggest named free agents. He got Otani and Yamamoto. Yes. So yeah, there's going to be glass now de- and glass right. now. And he stole Freddie Freeman. He gets all the good players: Mookie right. Betts, and Blake Snell's out there. I'm sure they'll find a way to grab them. And yes, it frustrates me that the Dodgers are able to do that. And my Mariners refuse to do that. They refuse to pay for anything Nice. But when you have a team that's willing to go out and do all those things, if the Mariners had gone out and they had gotten Otani, I'd probably be watching spring training too because I'd be he's so DH-ing excited on Tuesday. Right, I would be so excited for the year to happen because, <laughs> you. in your mind, in Swag's you. mind, he already has the World Series. He's already won it. No, so he's no, you don't know. No,
1: swag. no. Are, you, <laughs> no are you afraid no,
3: the no, tank? No. Like you can't wait for this. What to if they won the division?
1: What? Ten of the last eleven years. Eleven yeah. of the last twelve. They have one. And as they will tell you, it's not a real one. And he, oh, no, hey, no, that's Bush.
3: No, that's Bush. out.
4: That's a real. That's a real. It was. It's real.
1: It's probably even tougher to win.
4: Really? Yeah. You played how many games? did They play that year. 80? Yeah, but uh, they no, 80? no home
1: games. You have to. Yeah, you got to bring it. It was a mad dash.
4: Yeah, it was a mad dash for that eighty-game season. You didn't play a full year. You know, in your heart of hearts, no. you'll never admit it publicly, but you know it doesn't feel the same as '88. Uh, No, nothing will feel quite like that. It will this year. If Uh, if they... mm.
1: Yes, thank you! I don't know that anything will ever feel like that because the A's were... The A's at that time were what the Dodgers are now. They had the Bash Brothers. They had Mm. Dave Stewart on the man. They were loaded. Uh, It was the first of... Three straight years going to the World Series. They only won the Earthquake Series. You
4: were thirty four, so you're kind of the prime of your life watching sports and eating out your ass.
3: I don't think he was thirty four.
4: I was sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> what? What was that? Sixteen.
1: I had just turned seventeen. <laughs> oh, I should I say, that. say.
4: I
3: know I'm not great at math, but uh, there's <laughs> no way.
4: No. Uh, if anything, you learn about swag here, Will, as you fill in. What you learn is. Uh, About a month into the season, he will tell you unsolicited before a show starts, I'm not watching anymore. This team sucks.
3: But that's a true fan. He's living and dying on every pitch, literally. And you're set up this year. You got the two biggest name free agents. I remember, and I still feel a little dumb about this, when the Seahawks signed Jamal Adams,
4: I went You mean when they traded for him? Yes, when they
3: traded for him, which... Uh,
4: Probably not a great trade. Oh, I have some bad takes on that trade. Me and oh. Durt like, I kind of like it. He's a good player. Who cares about draft capital? You want
3: to talk about bad takes? I was so excited to watch Jamal Adams. I went to a training camp practice. That's how <laughs> excited I was. This is fandom. Those are boring, by the way. So bad. <laughs> so so bad. bad. And they don't do anything. And you just sit in the sun
4: and burn all
3: day. Yes, and they're not padded, really, because no. the padded practices, they don't let you go to those. This is Swag being excited, being a true fan, and he knows that his team went out and got the two biggest name free agents. This is going to be their best chance to get over the hump and win a title the first title since the 2020 season of course he's excited of course he's watching spring training if the roles were flipped and the Braves had signed those two guys maybe you're not watching spring training in February but I bet you're watching it at the end of March because you're starting to get excited You're you're starting to see hey there's some stories look at Otani's big home run blast Look at Yamamoto came in. He struck out the side. Look at what's going on here. It's fandom. You got two big-name players. You're about to put yourself in a position to win another title. Of course he's watching.
4: So you're not watching Mariners spring training, are you?
3: Well, I might for the white pants. Mm. Really excited about that. I'll tell you what. The picture of uh, Crawford. The jersey? Have you seen that? The, the jersey? The side-by-side where like the hat teal doesn't match the jersey it's... teal. The Crawford looks yeah. like a rainbow. You can
4: see through his white pants. It's objectively hilarious, like how cheap they went. It's funny. I went to a Just Sports this weekend at a mall. I worked at a Just Sports long and long ago. I love the store because I just I love seeing sports merch.
3: Yeah, it's just there.
4: But I walked in and it. they have a whole section of uh, jerseys, shirts, uh, shirts that are jerseys. You know? Oh, and that's what the the Crawford jersey looked like yes. this weekend, as they showed the it's original so Crawford jersey in the teal. And they comped it to the spring training one. I'm like, that is a screen print t-shirt masquerading as a jersey. At Glenwood Little League, I wore that jersey. It looks bad, dude. It looks. I mean, they keep trying to defend this and say, no, no, it's not any different. No, 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 we see it's different. That looks like a $35 jersey, and they used to wear jerseys. Look, I get what you're saying about fandom spring training and all that buzz. A lot of people love it. I just don't think it's important, especially for teams like his, where he's worried about the fourth, fifth starter. Again, you have Betts, Otani, and Freeman in your lineup. I don't think this is an issue until August. I don't even know when the deadline is, but at that point, I'm sure they're going to go get the best arm available on the trade deadline, and it's going to be somebody with like a 3.1 ERA, and he's going to sit here and he's going to chuckle and be like, Oh, 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 you like that move? And we're going to go, Yeah, they should win the whole enchilada. Yeah, they hey, should. That's fandom, man. When your team makes a big splash, you get excited. Uh, speaking of excited, did you see the Ravel tweet? I did not. No, you you mentioned Ravel a couple times. I don't follow Darren Ravel. Uh, neither
3: do I. But he he was way on Twitter. Uh, this last weekend. He went through and looked at all the different white pants jersey pictures from like 2012 to this year. It was like, see, look, they've always been see-through. And it's funny in my brain that he went out and was like, I'm going to carry the water for Fanatics and ESPN and I'm going to look at all the white pants to see how see-through these men's white
4: baseball pants are. (laughs) I would argue, what was he really trying to see with all the white pants? Uh, Cam Newton, three on one. The Blazers shoot nine percent from three. We'll get to those things coming up next. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. It's crunch time. Let's go!
0: Where dirt and Sprague crunch the hot topics you want to hear.
4: What's the pressure? Don't sit here and act like there's no... We get nervous teeing off in front of a gallery on the 10th hole at East
0: Crunch time. Brought to you by Crunch Fitness. With memberships
1: as low as $9.99 per month. Find your crunch time in Portland, Vancouver, and online at crunch.com.
4: All right, we'll get to the uh, your Portland Trailblazers shot 9% from three last night. Chauncey's not going to watch any tape. We're just going to move on, act like that game didn't happen. Burn the tapes. We'll get to that coming up at the top of the hour. Um, Cam Newton, this went viral yesterday. Cam Newton, former Panther and Patriot quarterback, was at a seven-on-seven tournament, and somebody filmed him at the tent he ended up fighting with three individuals. They 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 went at him, and he was taking on three people at once. He was wearing a hat described on Twitter as the Wicked Witch of the West hat, which I thought was pretty apt. It looked like it had some crow's feathers in it. I like the sorting hat from Harry Potter as well. Yes. That is that is
3: one of my favorites. The talking hat that tells yes. you what
4: school you, or what, uh, what boardroom you want to be in Slytherin. or whatever. Slytherin. Gryffindor. Um, whatever you want to describe it, he's wearing a big top hat. He's a big hat guy. And Cam Newton was recorded fighting three individuals. And I got to say, the hat doesn't fall off once. It doesn't move. He takes one big punch at the end from a fourth guy who just comes in there randomly to hit Cam Newton, probably to say, I hit Cam in the face. But he never falls. He throws one guy, basically rings him around. And the two other guys, he's holding down and he's hitting and Cam Newton went three-on-one, and I thought to myself, I don't know what was said to who and when, but I'm not in a situation where I feel confident enough as, as me. Right. If I'm with you and Dirt, and they're talking, he's talking S to you, and you start mouthing off, I'm not confident enough to say that I'm helping you because I think I'm one of the three getting my <laughs> ass kicked by Cam Newton. Oh, dude, Cam
3: Newton and I – are relatively the same size. We're both 6'5". I think he's like 255, 260. I wouldn't fight Cam. There's no chance. He beat the ever-living you-know-what out of Josh Norman because Josh Norman picked him off and made fun of him in Carolina. Like People forget Cam's about it, and he's not afraid to fight. I want to know what they were fighting over. What could have possibly came up at a youth 7-on-7 tournament where Cam Newton was like, yep, that's it, I'm whooping you. And the other guys, what could they have possibly thought of, like, I can't wait to go fight Cam Newton. I can't wait to take a punch and just get absolutely dropped by a former NFL MVP Heisman Trophy winner. Well, the
4: worst is this is at a youth event. This is at a 7-on-7. And Cam, I I think... um... Cam's an interesting one because he had this big quarterback game manager thing this year that went viral, and he, he ended thinks up like he's smarter than he is. Well, but here's the thing: he's had some situations at youth camps before. Do you remember a couple years ago when he was still a player? He got into a verbal altercation with some high school players because they were basically calling him out as not being good anymore, and he was throw. like, "Yo, he, you know," he kind of came back at him Cam Newton style. He's not going to shy away from speaking his opinion. He had that moment with a female reporter at the Panthers. Where he basically said she's not worthy of asking him questions because she can't read a defense. And he has some That's very awesome. questionable takes and moments. I just don't know what provokes it to the point where three people feel like they gotta go run at him. But he handled himself pretty well in that situation. I'm probably on the ground getting kicked instantly. Whereas he's Cam Newton. He mm. he fought off in stiff arm linebackers. I don't mean to disrespect you here, Will. How old are you, 26? I'm 26. If we fought right now in a cage, you'd beat me in less than a minute. I think Cam Newton would do that to you in a cage if you guys squared off.
3: I think I'd get two, but yeah, no, I'm losing to Cam Newton. I'm not up here going to pretend like, oh, I'm a big, tough guy. That's why it's always funny where you know, the the fan will tweet out or will say, oh, I, I would beat that person up. That person's soft. They're this, they're that. No, they're not. Not they're in basketball or football
4: or baseball athletes. for that matter. Most of these guys right. are massive, even golfers. I know there's some small golfers, but when I went to the US Open at uh uh Chambers, yeah, I watched Jordan Speeth warm up. Speeth is like six two, a legitimate like two fifteen. Mm. And I'm like, damn, I thought this guy was a small little dweeb nerd guy playing golf. No.
3: And all they do is work out. Yeah. You sit on the couch and eat Doritos.
4: Yes, yes. We
3: talked about it a couple weeks ago when I was on. There's a difference. A high-level athlete will just pick it up. They'll show up and be like, oh, I'm now the best pickleball player ever because I am Cam Newton. And I'm a freak athlete compared to freak athletes. It's the same thing in a fight. If everyone has the same training and they're not a legit fighter,
4: they're not a boxer, not an MMA guy, Cam Newton is going to beat your ass. What level of sports and position do you feel you have to drop to to say you have a shot in something like that? It's dropping daily. Like, like but, two uh, but, years ago. But are you going like I have to it has to be a punter.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that was always the joke. Like if you're going to get into a brawl, which guy are you going to fight? Pick the punter. <laughs> you pick the punter. That feels or the kind kicker. of cheap, though, also. You know, it's yeah, like, but I'd, win. I'd win. <laughs> I don't it's think not, you do win. Actually, It's you about lose, winning. You lose no, the PR battle. No, it's about winning the fight. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, but if you get knocked out, then everyone's making fun of you for getting knocked out. Ask Nate Robinson and what happened to
4: Jake Paul. Yes, but I've stood. We interviewed Nate Robinson in our studios years ago, and I stood next to him and over him. You mean? Well, yeah. Yeah. I was amazed how much, not bigger because Nate's pretty thick muscle wise. But dude, standing next to him, like this guy dunks. Right, it's wild to think that. Right, I think picking a fight with a kicker it's a lose lose. Because if you beat him up, everybody's like, "Dude, really? You went and fought the kicker." But if he knocks you out, you went, "Dude, you got knocked out by the kicker." Mm-hmm. Kicker's not knocking me out. I I know, but well, maybe McAfee, McAfee, McAfee- type kickers. I would not have I would not have attacked McAfee or
3: Sebastian Janikowski for that that swag. There's record. some kickers with kind of jacked
1: arms. Well, well yeah, and then there's some pun- uh, punters are different because like some of them played other positions. True. Like Johnny Hecker was a quarterback, right? Yeah.
4: And Hecker's a big, Hecker's about Will's height. Yeah. He's like 6'3, 6'4. So he's a big, strong guy. You got to
1: be, you got to be careful there. There are the, there's the little guys.
3: Right. I'm not, I don't think I can beat anyone up in professional sports unless maybe like a tennis pro anymore. Dude, Djokovic is like 6'3, I think. Right. But like, I could get in a doll. He's old. He's, he's getting washed. I think. No, I
1: Nadal's the one I would be more. Wor- Nadal is he's quick. Ripped.
4: Well, he's ripped. and yeah, he's quick. That's true. Maybe I need
1: to. Now, Who's one like of those big,
4: tall, sweater? skinny guys. However, we're poo-pooing your fighting ability. We've no, never seen fight. you fight. But this I'm is... trying to think of like an athlete. I haven't. I been mean, in he a is a fights.
1: collegiate offensive lineman. It's not like he hasn't. Who's? Uh, but me... it,
3: I was D two. So like to be there. I see it with Sukanic all the time. There is a big difference between the D1 and the D2 kid. I'm, oh, yeah. I think when I was 24, I would have been able to handle myself against some of the smaller FBS, FCS guys. Sure. But look, I'm, I was really smart about who I fought. It was a mm. fight that I was going to win, but also it was a fight where no one was going to be like, oh, well, yeah, of course you beat up the littlest running back or you beat up the safety. You got to be smart about how you pick your fights. I'm, I'm like Mayweather. I, I wait until Pacquiao's
4: too old, Tell, till he's out of his prime. Yeah, that's right. I uh, I'm more of a basketball fighter. Push, oh. push, hold me back, bro. Hold me back. Talk a lot of s. Fights over. Okay, we're good. I think I could get Collins. Really? I just think he's. I don't think he's a fighter. Tell that's what, Zach, what? Zach Collins. Yes, Zach Collins is seven feet. I know. I would tackle him. I wow. You think you'd beat Zach Collins in a fight? I think I'd have a shot. I'm going to put a poll question on that. Who would win in a fight, Zach Collins or Will Ortner? That's a good one. <laughs> Who would you take, Swag? And then we'll go. I'm taking Collins. No offense to you. Uh, no offense. taken. Yeah. I just, I, I, it seems fake. It seems fake. He is a basketball guy. Right. I know.
3: How much fighting are they
4: really doing? Seven
3: feet, though, is pretty big. He's got a, to you. he's I know. He's got a wing. And if he catches me, that I'm doing the Barkley. You're a tall
4: point guard. He's a center.
3: I know. I'm doing the Barkley <laughs> where I get my hands on him quick. Like Barkley versus Shaq, where like Shaq goes for the punch and he ducks and tackles him. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get him on the ground. Uh, and then it's a wrestle, you know grapple type thing.
4: Uh, Blazers shoot 9% from 3 in a game against a team that's trash. We have a lot to talk about with that, believe it or not. Final hour, Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan.
5: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import Chicago, Illinois.
0: This is Dirt and Sprague. Ours is a new love, but it burns very
1: brightly. And it gets hot and sweaty and stanky. There's some stank on that love. With Andy Dirt Johnson. You think you're going to find somebody? It's going to be like psyched to go to Applebee's with you every Friday night? You hear the same football stories about how you rocked in high school? I did rock in
0: high school football. You want to check tape? And Brandon Sprague. You know about the uh, cup sizes or have different cups. Yeah, I, I know about the cup. You oh. got the A, B see the D that's the biggest I know the D is the biggest i based my whole life on knowing that the D is the biggest
4: dirt and spray gun 1080 the fan all right welcome back in the final hour of the radio program here on a beautiful Monday all you sexy people out there good morning uh, poll questions up. Who won win a fight? Will Ortner, 6'5", 250, or Zach Collins, 6'11", 245? You can Hold vote now at Durton's break. Hold
3: on. 250 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Just make sure that that's added in there.
4: I don't have enough. Uh, Elon is doing a lot of bad things with Twitter. He has not expanded the character count in a poll question. Otherwise, I'd add more options. It's classic. And Elon, more things.
3: He's uh He's not a free speech guy.
4: Uh, yeah, despite his approach that he is, he certainly has uh, right. moments where he doesn't appear he's, to be.
3: He's he's out here not being free speech for the fan, it adding just, in <laughs> Twisted Steel and <laughs> Sex appeal. Look at him censoring our great content.
4: We are. Um, we have a lot to get to here in the final hour of the radio program. I'm going to dive into the Blazers here in just a second because they had one of the worst performances I've ever seen. I just want to quickly give you a heads up. Tomorrow, it is... Uh, Boy, I feel like the first time we teased this was so long ago, yet here it is. Uh, tomorrow is February 27th. The importance of that is it is the Fan Winter Golf Classic, our first one ever out at X-Golf Tualatin and Vancouver. Danny and Dusty are going to be doing noon to 3 out in Vancouver at X-Golf, and Isaac Etzouk will be doing 3 to 7 out at X-Golf uh, Tualatin. You can go to 1080thefan.com, sign up your threesome. If you've had some last-second thoughts on this and you're waiting till the end, the clock is expiring. It's ticking down as we speak. Tomorrow, the events happen out at Tualatin in Vancouver, X-Golf locations. Go to 1080thefan.com and register your threesome. If you can win the event, you get a free foursome into the Fan Golf Classic this summer. And if you're terrible at golf, you can benefit by losing because then you get free lessons out at X-Golf, which I've always said the last place uh, reward's pretty nice. I would want to be last place because I want a free lesson at X-Golf. Food will be provided by Victor Rico's Pro Catering from the Urban Restaurant Group. It's going to be a great time, a lot of fun at both uh, both locations. Go to 1080thefan.com to sign up your threesome if you want to hang out with us tomorrow at either location. Uh, let's talk about the Blazers. They shot 9% from three last night. Nine. The Hornets beat them. For the first time, I didn't know this until yesterday, Rough. the Hornets won in Portland for the first time since 2008. When the Hornets last beat the Portland Trailblazers in Portland, Barack Obama hadn't even received the nomination for his political party in the first time he ran for president. So, the last- How long ago does that feel? I was in college when that was happening. I was third grade. That is unbelievable that that streak had gone that long and this was a dud almost from the get go. Uh Portland had 34 points in the first half. I turned the game on at ha- at halftime. I was over at my parents so
3: having dinner. They're old so they watch the news. I couldn't get them to turn the game on. Oh, you've got
4: like old parents? No, they're like early 50s. They're just oh, they're, they're just old and they're you know, old they're, What they do.
3: They're 50 going on 75. What did you just say? See, but that's the thing. Do you watch the news? No, you were watching all the basketball games and you were watching the baseball. They were watching
4: the local That's not what I want to hear. What did you say? They said they're 51 on 75. Well, he didn't hear you because he's so old. I was like, I'm They're in their early fifties. They're old.
3: Yes. Hey, look. Dude, depending on, sometimes forty is
1: old. Um, it's just you and I tomorrow, Sprague. <laughs> <laughs> not
3: allowed back. We're gonna ban him for a couple months. I'm sorry. You're not fifty. You, you are, are double. You are
4: double his age. Look, I'm just saying they're they're old, so they weren't watching it. They're not. big. Actually, wait Last a minute. August. You're turning fifty two in July, aren't you? Fifty three in August. He's no, you He's my dad.
3: He's wow. Yeah, you and my dad same age.
4: That
1: makes me feel better. <laughs>
3: You were watching sports. They were watching what the weather is going to be like for over the next ten days. Okay, that's well, it's snowing. The forecast—that's the difference. I know they're all excited. They're trying to figure out if they're going to. They're both teachers. They're trying to figure out if they'll get more snow days. Anyways, I turned the game on. I thought it was the first quarter. I was like, oh, I didn't—I didn't miss that much. It's only thirty-four to forty, maybe halfway through the second. Nope, that was. It felt very similar to uh, the Oregon State. Pit Sun Bowl of two thousand eight, mm. where it just set offensive football back a millennia. Yeah. Same kind of deal here. It it was bad. If it wasn't DeAndre Ayton, the ball wasn't going in the hoop for the Blazers. It,
4: it sucks. Three for thirty two. I saw this from StatMuse. The Blazers are the sixth team in NBA history to attempt over thirty threes in a game and make only three of them. If you're gonna make, if you're gonna tank, you might as well make history while you're tanking to make it interesting. This is, and I, I'm not trying to exaggerate for the show's purposes, I text this to somebody, this is one of the worst games I've ever watched in my life.
1: The lowest scoring game of the season so far, in a season where teams are regularly putting up 130 and 140.
4: I want to say some of their lowing scores, uh, scoring outputs in their history are in the 60s, 62, 68, Yeah, 64. you go back,
1: there was a clunker against Cleveland. I remember
4: the Cleveland game. I watched those games, and that felt just as bad as these games. And I think it's largely because you're shooting all of these threes and you're making none of them. So it makes the misses feel even worse. Uh, Aunt Simons was just god-awful in this game. Terrific. horrific. I think there's a real conversation about how people feel about Aunt Simons. I know Danny is saying, well, he just had a baby. Uh, I felt very meh about him. Some of the numbers can be complimentary to Ant, but I feel like when he has great, he comes back with eh to not great. It's very CJ-like to me. I was about to say, it, it seems, CJ, where you're going to go through peaks and valleys.
3: Where, like, Dame, you have a pretty steady what Dame is going to be, what his scoring output is going to be, what his efficiency was when he was a Blazer. CJ had these, he'd, it's almost like he'd have months where CJ was, he was going to make every three that he took. He was going to put up 30 points a game, and then he'd have weeks where, you're getting 10, 11, 12 points a game. It's why he was never an all-star. It's because it was too volatile. Well,
4: I, the thing is they have to decide between these guys. Like, that's the thing about a rebuild. And and I had, I had a conversation this weekend, and not everybody subscribes to this, but I, I think it's fair. This is technically year one of the rebuild because Dame got traded. It's year three of sucking. Yeah, and you're gonna suck next year. So that's four. You're gonna have a player who's a rookie. So you'll suck in your five. That'll be five. When you go five, six, seven years mm-hmm. of sucking, it can just wear on a fan base. But they have to. They have to parse this out. You and I and everybody else can watch this and understand. You know, they're getting draft. They're getting a draft pick of, of value. They want to go get a player, a Sar, a, a a Williams, a whoever. Right. We understand that. They actually have to watch this and say valuable peace peace bringing fo- going forward and eh, this guy over that guy they have to measure this stuff out as they go we don't make those decisions they're currently doing that with Scoot who I know has been injured uh been banged up throughout the season Shaden's Shaden's played 30 games he's not going to play the rest of the year and Ant this mm-hmm. is year six for Ant Do we forget that this ain't year two this isn't year three this is year six for Ant right so the is he what is he stuff you're you know this. Like th- it is not going to be a whole lot that changes with this stuff, other than his teammates. Whether he's in Portland or he's in another situation where he can lean on a couple guys as one and two options, and he's maybe a really valuable third. He largely is what he is. Mm-hmm. It's not going to suddenly change in your seven, your eight, your nine. Right. The only thing that changes is he recognizes coverages. He recognizes what another team's doing. He understands how they're scheming him or they're scheming a teammate. His game is what it is. Mm -hmm. This this stuff just doesn't change. Daryl Morey said years ago, by year four, you know who the player is. And you you have outliers of guys, but they're having to evaluate this now. And I know publicly they're happy with Ant. They like Mm Ant. Ant has a lot of qualities that you should like in a player. But as he continues to struggle, these are things that fans and media types like us, you kind of have to talk about it out loud. He has struggled. He's a little up and down. Some stats, he's amazing. I think other measurements of do you want as franchise guy, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to point out. And last night he was not alone. Again, this was a team effort of being 3-for-32 and on the field. Right. But when he's one of, if not your best player, his nights stand out a little more than some of the other players who aren't looked at quite at the same level as him.
3: Right. Well, I also think two things to be fair here to Ant. You want to lose. This is this is a key loss for you because you want to keep moving forward. Now, you'd want to look good in the loss. You don't want to look as bad as you did in this game in the loss. You want to look good. So that's important. But I think the other thing you have to look at is there was no Shaden, there was no Scoot, and there was no Malcolm Brogdon. When it comes from a guard standpoint, he was the only one that was going to have any ability To put the ball in the hoop. And obviously he didn't do that. And some of it's going to be he had an off night. Some of it is going to be that the coverage was now focused solely on him. Because they didn't have to worry about what Brogdon was going to do. Yeah, most of those looks, Will,
4: I think he liked them. Right. and and he's happy with those looks. And
3: sometimes the ball just doesn't go in the basket. Sure. But you do have to be honest about what he is. He is not going to be a one. He can be a very good two. He can be a very... Like probably the best three if you were able Can to Can you find be a two. title
4: contender with Anthony Simons as your second best player is kind of the conversation they have to ask internally because even though it feels like they are, man, they're right. miles away from that right now. That's what they're doing. They're right. building this to go win a championship or to at least contend again to win a championship. Right. And as ridiculous as it sounds today with a 15-win team, they are right now asking themselves – Can we win a title if he is our second best player? How does he compare to what Scoot is showing us so far early on as a 19-year-old? That is the Joe Cronin and others' job right now, is Mm -hmm. to evaluate that and make those tough decisions that seem impossible today. But overall, those decisions have to be made at some point so you can start to build towards the future in other ways with your roster.
3: Right, and I also think it's important to realize what would you get from him, if you did decide to move on and you tried to move on in a trade way, I think we saw over the last two or three years when we were trading away, and Cronin and Shea were trading away big players, or players that we felt like were big players, what'd you
4: really get in return? would you really get in return for CJ? would you really get in return for Norman Powell? What did we get in for Dame? I think those are things we have to still evaluate, because right. Malcolm hasn't been traded, mm-hmm. right? We flipped to the, Ju- the, the Drew piece, Ooh. excuse me, to Boston. Ooh. Yeah, that was Ooh. a slip of the tongue there. Uh, the Drew piece to Boston, what are you going to get from Malcolm? Then that's going to be like, okay, that's what they got for mm-hmm. Damian Lillard. There's a lot to about. You said something that I want to I bring this back because you said something and I thought to myself about this last night man what a great position to be in if you're this guy mm-hmm. what a great sweet spot to be in professionally if you're this guy I'll tell you who that is and what it is next on the fan I want to talk about the uh playoff picture a little bit here in the NBA but uh coming uh, that we'll get to that coming up next but you know the thing about Portland and I I I understand like don't I don't need to eat, read texts or comments about, like, oh, no, you don't get it, man, ping-pong ball. What a nice position to be in if you're a Chauncey Billups where somebody asks you in the post game, and that one—that somebody was Danny, of, like, yo, what are you going to take away from tape? And he's like, I'm just not going to watch the tape. Burn him. And that's the beauty. Like, people have argued about Chauncey for three years now. Is he good? Is he not good? How good is he? Is he mediocre? Like, whatever. It must be a nice position to be in professionally when you can get your ass kicked and be embarrassing and people celebrate the fact that you got another ping pong ball. And then if you win a game that you shouldn't, or your team plays better, people get to jump on and say, Hey, Chauncey's great. But when you suck, it's like, Hey, we got a ping pong ball. There's no negative in that situation for Chauncey Billups. Well, I mean, shoot, this
3: is going to be controversial. I'm going to phrase it more as a question, but I kind of would lead towards Chauncey in this way. Like, who would you rather be? Would you rather be Chauncey Billups where you're not supposed to be very good. Your team is struggling. You just lost probably your worst loss of the year. You looked Yeah, you lost by
4: 62 at OKC. That one was pretty That one was bad. outright pathetic.
3: Right. So yeah. you have a bunch of... Now there's a list. You have a bunch of really bad losses. He's or got a few you, of those. Or would you rather be Doc Rivers? I'd rather be-, be Doc Rivers. Give me Giannis and Dame all day. I don't know. Because right now, if you don't go out and win a title, yeah. it's a failure as Doc Rivers. Already <sighs> people are attacking you because you went behind the scenes and you played the political game to get your spot, or at least at the very, very, very least. It seemed least, backstabby. You yes. were open to stabbing your friend in the back to get the spot that you've been in. Yeah. You haven't looked exceptional. You were supposed to come in and completely change everything, and you are they were going to figure it out, right? Like, as good as they have been this year, when you watch a Bucks game, they struggle. It seems like they have issues. Who should have the ball in what situation? How many shots should go up for each individual player? How should they be playing defense? And you're supposed to come in and fix that with less than half the year to go and win a title. And if you don't do it, yeah. you're a failure.
4: You know, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and like Doc is Doc, but Doc gets fired or doesn't win a title. He's going to get a Cush media job next year and be fine. True. Uh, Chauncey probably gets back into the media if this doesn't go well. But what Chauncey's trying to get out of is one of the hardest thing in pro sports.
3: Yeah, to have a successful rebuild and to do it in a timely fashion where you don't get fired. When you're
4: in the basement of the NBA, it's hard to get out of there. And, you know, when you go four, five, six years without being good and winning and being out of the playoffs, you're at the same level as those other franchises that people like to say, don't be them. Well, five, six years of not winning, you are them. Like, I I don't know what to tell you, but... The national narrative is, you are them. You don't matter. Mm-hmm. I would much rather coach a team with a title opportunity every day of the week sure. and then be blamed for it if we don't, than be the coach and say, I hope we can even get to a play-in at some point. <laughs> yeah. That's the tough thing. The other part of this, you cannot. there's nothing you can do to make guys make shots, right? 3 of 32 is just ice-cold shooting. Right. I did find myself, however, last night understanding that ping-pong balls are important here. Mm-hmm. They are a half game behind Charlotte for this. That Charlotte is playing well. I think they're 5-1 and one in their last six. Right. Charlotte is probably going to keep winning some games. They're not trying to lose. Miller's playing. He's good. Miles Bridges, despite everybody hating him, he's been good. They are probably going to get ahead of you and you're going to be ahead of them for the draft lottery standings. That being said, the one thing we point at is you don't want to be, and I give Danny this, you don't want to be the process Sixers. You don't want to be the Pistons. Okay, that's I totally agree with that. I don't want to lose to those teams. I know we're in rebuild. I know we're acquiring ping pong balls. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody in Portland is just now cheering on the fact that we got another ping pong ball. We missed Win Banyama by one damn ball. Mm-hmm. Could have been us. Could have been him with Dame here in Portland this year, this amazing rookie season he's having. But I don't want to lose to Charlotte, D.C., or the Pistons. There are there are three teams that, in my mind, I don't want to watch them lose to because be I don't want to be worse than them. Right. I know we're competing again for draft stock and draft lottery status, but those are teams that everybody in America tells you laughable, joke, pathetic. Right? And I don't want to be the team losing. Those are the couple games a year that I actually give a damn. I'm like, just don't lose to them. Please don't lose to them. Just win. And, again, you're going to get people that it's all about ping-pong balls. Sprague, you're an idiot. It's all about collecting that ping-pong ball. Okay, cool story, bro. But we don't want to be those teams, but we're losing to those teams. And so I don't want to lose to the Pistons, the Wizards, or Charlotte. And I understand Charlotte's playing good, but when you put out a team with DeAndre Ayton, Jeremy Grant, and Anthony Simons, who are all playing like 32, 33-plus minutes. 32-plus, Matisse Theibel getting up 30 minutes-plus off the bench. When you're playing, those, by the way, as young as they might be, those are all veteran players. Those are all guys that have, enough- have played enough high level games or been in the league long enough for me to say, I look at them as vets. And you get embarrassed like that. Yeah. It does. I kind of get irked by it. I'm just like, this is pathetic. Getting housed by the Hornets. Because I don't care what the final was, I don't care what the score was at any one point. They were down by like seven or eight. And then the Hornets just hit them on like an 18 0 run.
3: Yeah. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Or a couple weeks ago, they went on the fifteen oh run
4: just to be down by 17 or whatever it was. That's a game that they lost. They get a ping pong ball. It's not a game you look back and say, well, yeah, they we lost to the Hornets because we were tanking. No, they played all of their veteran guys 30-plus minutes. Just remember, as easy as it is to become
3: Charlotte, to become Detroit, to become one of these cellar-dwelling teams, if you have the right people in the front office and you trust them, which right now I haven't seen a reason not to trust Joe Cronin. And I know it's hard to say that at times with the ownership issues and where people want to go with that. But if you trust Joe Cronin and you trust the scouts to go out and make the right draft picks and sign the right free agents, you can just as easily be Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City went out and got a bunch of draft capital and they hit on all the guys that they drafted, not all, but most, and look at what they've turned into. They are a team that this year has a legitimate shot at winning an NBA title. Will they win it? Probably not because they're young and in the NBA. You have to go through those wars. You have to go through those tough losses to finally win. At least that's what it seems like when you go back and look at all these championship teams. But if you can do the right things and make the right picks – You can be
4: OKC. It's going to take time, but you can do it. You can be OKC, and you can also be every other team that isn't OKC that's tried to be OKC. Getting Shea Gilders Alexander changed everything for them. It's not just the draft picks. Chet's been awesome. Jalen Williams has been awesome. Right. Um, They're having to now give off some of these players that they drafted who aren't, you know, the worst players in the world, but, like, they don't have room for them. They still have more picks. SGA's amazing. Right. You don't have an SGA. Not yet, but you could. Okay. They need to go get it though. You and got you got a dame. The Thunder didn't get it from a draft. They got it in a trade. Right. And so that's the tough thing is we like to cite OKC and we could just as easily cite seven other franchises that don't ever get to the oh, Orlando's just now getting it. Orlando mm. has sucked since Dwight left. Right. They had like one random year where they made the playoffs and they won the first game against Toronto. After that, they have been they have done nothing. Right, And they finally have got some pieces. They got the Wagner. They got the Paolo. They, they've they got Suggs as good defensively for them. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't always go OKC okay, way. You have to find those. And that, my friend, is the hardest part about building and rebuilding yeah. in the NBA is some of that stuff is crapshoot stuff at best. Or you got lucky with a team who was more desperate. And so they give up the young prospect who ends up becoming first team all NBA. Uh, let's stick in the association. Uh, we got a heads up to give you the listeners, but let's stick in the association. Something that we saw yesterday and how it affects what's going to happen in the next month and a half. Next on The Fan. Boy, this is pretty fitting, isn't it, Swigard? How about you? Hey, they
1: don't call me executive producer for no reason.
4: <laughs> uh, last week we had this. This week we've got uh, something better, maybe, depending on your flavor or your preference. If you text the word funk, F-U-N-K to 503-864-6326. That's the Vancouver Ford text line. You can enter for your chance to win a tickets to the Parliament Funkadelic featuring George Clinton at the Crystal Ballroom on June 14th. How about that? You can head to 1080thefan.com for more details, but text the word FUNK, F-U-N-K, to 503-864-6326 for your chance to win tickets to the Parliament Funkadelic featuring George Clinton at Crystal Ballroom, June 14th. Stick around all week. We'll have more of those as we uh, go on and on throughout the week. Uh, The NBA playoff picture is starting to sort itself out. we still got some games to be played here. Yes. But uh, it's sorting itself out, and people are starting to figure out, okay, who do I like? I like this team.
1: The Celtics are going to be the top seed in the East. They they will not lose the one seed.
4: After Uh, that, not not sure what else
1: I'm confident in. Well, you
4: mentioned the Celtics. They're a trendy, fun pick. I want to give our buddy Ken Barkley, uh, who, by the way, I can't wait for him to come on Thursday to announce something. But uh, Ken Barkley will be on Thursdays, and he has said this for two years now, last year and this year, or seasons. He said, I'm not taking the Celtics. They don't have a top blank player. Tatum's not the guy. The Celtics are really stinking good if you've watched them this year. The additions of Porzingis and Holiday, and Derek White's role, and Jalen Brown's taking over some clutch time stuff. Yes. Tatum's continued to be awesome uh, Awesome statistically. Bob Myers, the former GM of the Warriors, who is now doing broadcasts for play-by-play and in the studio for ESPN and ABC, he had this to say on Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics.
3: In a series in the East, can Jason Tatum outplay Jimmy Butler? Can he outplay Giannis Adekupo? Can he outplay Joel Embiid, a healthy Joel Embiid?
4: He went on, but basically saying, can Tatum be the best player between these guys? And this has been Ken Barkley's thing of why he doesn't pick Boston. He doesn't think Tatum is that guy. And there's a lot of, like, face of the league stuff. LeBron's getting older, so people are like, who's the new face of the league? And eh, I don't know if there is a dude. I think there's a couple people, and you just fill it in, but... Where are you guys at on Boston? Are you in the Ken Barkley? I don't trust Tatum to be the one, or are they so good now with Porzingis and Holiday, by the way, assuming they stay healthy knock on wood? Yes. That you're all in on the Boston Celtics winning the East. Because I'm still gonna I'm gonna go down with the Dame Lillard, Giannis Ship. And they've they've won a couple games here. I'm gonna go down with it. I'm gonna pick the Bucks, but where are you at on the Celtics? Well,
1: I think with the additions that they've made now maybe they don't have to ask that question as much if Tatum can carry them all by himself. Mm. I didn't. I underestimated the difference Porzingis made on that team. When he's hitting threes, mm. they're pretty unguardable.
4: Also, his defense at the rim has been really good. And,
1: yes, him. that allows Tatum to be more aggressive out on the ball. He's not worried about getting beat so much. They can put pressure on the ball knowing if they know where – as poor Zingus is okay. Do I force him back to the middle or I'm gonna let him go baseline? I just need to know which where to hedge. Mm-hmm. And I got help, I got Zinger back there to, to block some shots. Um, and then Holiday out on the ball, more pressure on the ball. He
4: gets to guard their best player. Like, that's the thing he relieves of Brown and, and he
1: doesn't – he's, what, the fourth or fifth option when he's in there to score? He doesn't so, care about scoring. Exactly. So I think as a team, they're much more formidable as a group, and you don't have to maybe have the definitive answer. Maybe a certain game at a certain time. Yes, we need you to take over and just get us through, but not for a whole series.
3: I think the biggest key is going to be the health of crit stops. And I know that's kind of a, hey, no doubt, Will, if he can stay healthy, he's such a difference maker. Mm-hmm. But it's just like what Swag said. If he can stay healthy, it takes the pressure off Tatum. Because we've seen Tatum at times go in and take over games. I mean, the one that sticks out to me, and I know it ended up being a bloodbath, uh, but the game seven against the 76ers, like, he came in and absolutely dominated that game in a game where you had to have it. Now people are going to jump on, well, that was James Harden, that's Joel Embiid, that's Doc Rivers. They love to choke it away at the end. But he has shown times where he can go out and take over games, just like everyone else. So I think the key is, and what Boston realizes, can we go and surround him with even more players to where we ask him to have to take over less and less? When you see these championship teams, it's either teams where the entire team, is very good, and you have one key player who, in one key moment or one big game, they take over and they have you know a, a thirty-five-eight and eight game where they're shooting sixty-five percent from the field. We're gonna have these moments where the big star comes out, or you have teams that are built around and. Really, it's built around LeBron or like the 2001 uh, Allen Iverson 76ers where that player just had to go on the craziest run for a month, month and a half, and that's why we were able to get to where we were at. Jason Tatum I don't think is good enough to do that. The problem is how many guys are truly good enough to do that? There's so few, and I don't even know if there's anyone in the league right now that can do it aside from Jokic and and from Giannis. So when you go and build this team and you build – a team that plays good defense and has players that are there to just play defense, Drew holiday or a freak like crit stops who presents so many challenges because he's such a unique athlete. It can take that pressure off of Brown and Tatum and allow them to kind of pick their spots more of when they have to be great or when they have to be the,
4: give me the ball and get out of my way. I think they're going to be an interesting test because they're not going anywhere, but they've been so good where their interesting test is is if, if Tatum you know, doesn't have it in a game or a series. They're basically a test of, did they make it such a good roster right? that Tatum doesn't need to be Jimmy Butler or Giannis or Jokic? He can just be himself, and whether that's a good or bad night, Drew's locking down their elite scorer on the other team. Chris Stapps is knocking down three. Jalen
1: Brown's torching his guy going to the rim. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Derek
4: White is just eating them apart, you know, knifing through the defense and finding open guys like... I think that's what Boston is. I like Jason Tatum a lot, uh, but I also do view him in the same light as a lot of people of, eh, I don't quite know, but they're, they're such a good roster that I think it can overcome not maybe having a player that fits that traditional NBA pedigree. Mm-hmm. Two teams that I would say quickly in the West, that it feels like the minute I get in on it, it just doesn't go well. One of them certainly is the Clippers. Every time I talk about the Clippers, <laughs> they seemingly drop a game. I talk about them. They play Minnesota. They get absolutely housed in the second half of that game. Talk about the Clippers late last week. Oh, here come the Kings. The Kings just stomp them. They, they let them come back in, and then they just pull away and hit threes. And Sabonis has been really awesome. I, just, I also, in the other way, I don't know how anybody, and I give a lot of respect to, to these players and teams in the West, I don't know how you're not taking the Nuggets. If you're doing the Nuggets versus field thing in the West, I'm taking the Nuggets. I'm sorry. They've got the best player in the world, and they've felt largely like a team that knows how good they can be when they Mm -hmm. need to be that good, and when they play the right teams, they are. They did that last night. Golden State got out to a big lead. Clay was hot. They went on a 14-0 run in the half. They tied the game. Michael Porter
1: Jr. was a bystander in that game, and they still and went on matter. runs. And yeah, it, it didn't and matter. did not
4: matter. And
3: Murray, in the playoffs, he's the ultimate, takes that next step up for whatever His health, reason.
1: You want to talk about Tatum's health, health. or Zinger? His health, health is huge. is yeah. the most important thing because mm-hmm. when Jokic has to do everything by himself, he can get worn out in a playoff series. Right. But as long as Murray's there so they can share it, mm-hmm. yeah. and you saw when uh, when Jokic went to the bench in the second quarter, Murray had to be out there, so there was some semblance. Somebody, if they needed to get a bucket at the end of the shot clock, could could get one off.
4: Hey, a great uh, local little note to note as we uh, get to to the wrapping up of the show here. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what I just said there. That made no sense out loud, but I said it anyway. There's a local note. There is a local note. That made sense to me. Well, I just note to note as we wrap it up here on the Wrap It Up is where I kind of got lost mentally there. But... uh, Wrap it up squared. The local note Why don't you wrap it up? Yeah, I I will. That's my problem. I haven't done that in a long time. That's next on The Fan. Want to give a quick shout-out. Our Portland Timbers won their uh, first match of the season. How about that? 4-1.
3: Chopping down the timber.
4: Yeah. Win
1: for the new head coach. First Timbers uh, head coach to win in his debut. Really? Yeah.
3: It looked fun. Dusty hair was out there. I saw his tweet. I didn't realize soccer season started already.
1: Well, the MLS, they have to take so many breaks in the the summertime for all of the international tournaments because they play not during the regular season that the rest of the soccer world plays because they could never get on TV with the NFL.
4: It's like a Uh, a nine-and-a-half-month season. So, yes, it
1: goes from the end of February until the end of November, (laughs) essentially.
4: Hey, well, yeah, the championship is always like, you know, cold, frigid air blowing out, yeah. or rain, and you're always like, oh, it looks terrible.
1: But yeah, four goals and a half. That uh, does not happen often for the Timber. So I think uh, the fans not knowing maybe what quite to expect, mm-hmm. uh, the supporters, as they're known, uh, quite pleased. So in their home uh, this Saturday night, too, D.C. United.
4: is—is uh, is, It's Timber Joey, right? Isn't Timber that-
1: Joey, yes. Timber he- Jim was the original. Yeah. And now Timber Joey.
4: Probably the best mascot in the city. I think people would take him over Blaze and whatever the hell that Bigfoot thing is.
1: Uh, yeah. What about uh, what about Tomahawk?
4: Tomahawk is greatness. Is it still called Tomahawk? I don't know. Yeah, did they change the name because they changed the? Logo? I have no idea.
1: Oh, okay, that okay. I don't know. I haven't been made aware of that. Cutting sh-
4: cutting a log in a game with a chainsaw. Is yeah, that's
1: a, that's about the best sports tradition. Yeah, I think, up there of of Portland teams. Yeah. Or, yeah.
3: what are the other traditions like now that you say that I'm, I'm trying to think well
1: you got uh, shout uh, at Autzen Stadium mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah the 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 beavers chainsaw thing not so much
4: Well
3: well what about their cowboy hats?
4: They have lunch hats actually now which is hilarious hard oh, worker hats construction oh. hats which I I bitched about that that game that they beat Oregon. I'm like, why are you stealing Oklahoma State's thing? Yeah, They're red and they they're the orange hats? and they're orange and black. Now and the turnover chainsaw. Hat. I like I like that.
1: that. I like that, as that, opposed like that. to the turnover chains and the other cheesy turnover stuff. Well, but the turnover chainsaw is fantastic. I think
4: Oregon State yeah. definitely has the better turnover thing. Oregon tried to do this weird shoe stick or something. I don't know. What that I didn't was know about. what that I figured that was a Nike yeah. commercial or something. But yeah. But Oregon has shout to their they got president. shout shout is cool.
1: They got the mascot doing
4: push-ups well everybody yeah. has yeah. mascots or cheerleaders doing push-ups that's not unique they're right. also weak-ass push-ups to be honest yeah those are you. fake push-ups well he does the bill stop it he goes to the bill uh oregon state tries to do the miley cyrus uh wrecking ball. Uh, not yeah, wrecking ball. karaoke
1: the party in the usa
4: yeah party in the usa but a lot of beaver fans don't like that like, what are they a frat like what's going on here it's Although, just a it's supposed to be a fun sing along thing. That's why you do it. It does play. Party in the USA. You want to turn up a party? That came out in college. People were that bumping place. that at parties. Like that legitimately was being blasted at parties in college. Buddy, I'll give you a hint.
3: It's still getting blasted <laughs> sure, at Sure, why not? It, it got blasted on Saturday night. I'll it's tell catchy. You that right now. It's
4: how do you not? It's catchy. I get it. Yeah, you should hop out the plane at LAX. What is Tomahawk's tradition? Because I still don't know what Blaze and the being Bigfoot thing awesome. is. No. Well Tomahawk, mm. he
1: skates around, he beats the drum. The one, if you extend to the Northwest, the one I really enjoy is, uh, so for the three stars for the Kraken, they have these, uh, stuffed fish essentially. Mm -hmm. It's like a, so they come out like that, the, at Pike Place. And then they'll each, the guys that are the three stars, they'll fish. toss one into the stands.
4: Mm-hmm. A, a dead, a real
1: dead no, fish? No, no, no. It's it's uh, it's like a stuffed. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was real
4: for, Could a, you l- imagine for a little too It'd be awesome. You're on a date and you catch a fish. You're like, cool. Now I smell like trout, bro. <laughs> no, no, you. no.
1: But yeah, so the players Sick. will come out and huck the fish <laughs> into the stands.
3: Uh, the Vancouver Ford text line. Someone did say the pickle. The pickle's fantastic. The pickle's
4: a good one. That's a good one. The I forget Portland about the pickle. pickle. Bar- Bar- Barley. Barley's
3: awesome. Barley the hop. Those are good ones, too. The-, the pickle on Twitter just cracks me up all the time. He's good for one or two tweets a year where it's just like, that was awesome.
4: Oh, Whoever runs the socials for the Portland Pickles is maybe running the best socials in... Our sports teams It's them or Blooper Well, Blooper's Atlanta But Yeah
3: As far as mascots go The Portland Pickles On the Mount Rushmore mm. Great
4: Twitter Follows The Blazers have never been able To figure out their mascot situation That's No, why would you want Wiley
1: Coyote To be your mascot I've never figured that one
4: Not out Not a big fan of it And the Bigfoot thing is weird but That mm. No
1: It's forced It you're does copied, feel forced. Well, and you're, it's a poor facsimile Of what the Sonics had Back in the day It is, yeah. The True. Sonics really did Bigfoot yes, well
4: they did Uh, All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for hopping in today. Dude, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. You want to be back tomorrow? I'll take you up on that. Let's do it. Okay. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, A combine note, a player not working out at a pro day or a combine. He's too good. He's too big for it. I think it should hurt him because he also won. He's the most fraudulent award winner we've seen in quite some time, in my opinion. That's going to do it for us. If you missed the show, catch it on 1080thefan.com or YouTube. We'll catch
2: you tomorrow, 6 to
4: 9 a.m. on Portland Sports Leader. 1080 The fan.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.